Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reunion of Final Fantasy VII Remake podcast. I'm your host, Kairosis, and joining me today, of course, I have my amazing co-host, Viz. How are you, Viz? Hello, Kai. I'm good. I slept pretty well, and I'm much less tired than yesterday. Yeah, I totally hear you. I've just been exhausted with work and um, not feeling the greatest today. Something going on with my stomach, but it's okay. We're going to power through this and just get it out there for everybody to listen. Yeah, I hope you'll you'll be well enough soon enough again. (laughs) So just want to take a second and shout out to everybody who has listened and subscribed to the podcast so far. The feedback's been awesome. We really appreciate you guys taking the time out to listen to the podcast and to listen and subscribe. We are doing an amazing giveaway um, still that's going on. We will be giving away a physical deluxe edition of the game. So in order to enter, what you have to do is subscribe on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to your podcasts, leave us a five-star rating, and write us a text review. Some of you guys have reached out to us and let us know that some of the podcast platforms um, that you use to listen to us on do not have like a review or a rating system. So if that happens to you, all you have to do is you can go to our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel and just leave a comment um, on one of our um, episode videos that are posted on our YouTube channel. So for our first segment today, we are talking about the recently released intro movie that Square Enix released last Friday, which was on Valentine's Day. And we will also be discussing the character art that was released. We got some screenshots, uh, DLC summon videos uh, that were shown last week as well. And that also included new info about uh, Tifa combat. And there were some screenshots showing, showing some side quests and how the side quests will work in the game. Our second segment, we will be featuring a discussion about our apprehensions about the game. Uh, For example, we'll be talking about what would make us feel more negative about the game and what would make us feel kind of like not into the game. Um, Also, we will be talking about what makes Final Fantasy VII actually Final Fantasy VII and what does the new content need to accomplish for us to feel that it fits into the Final Fantasy VII remake. All right, so we're talking about the opening movie trailer that was released. So just a recap of all the new stuff that we got in the trailer. This one's a little bit different than the one that we saw before the beginning of the demo that's been shown at all the gaming conventions um, last year. So it starts out showing the desolate area outside of Midgar. Everything looks kind of dead and basically like a desert with canyons. Um, We are following a bird that's flying towards Midgar with little parts of, like, vocal parts of One Wing Angel being heard that are mixed in with the intro music. And then the bird flies uh, into Midgar, and we get a closer look at Midgar, kind of the scale, what life looks like in Midgar for the citizens. Um, we got a look at some children riding their bicycles, uh, busy streets with the old-fashioned-looking cars, um, street workers. Uh, we got a look at the train, the highway, um, And I think they really did a great job with kind of the steampunk style um, and just updating that style and bringing it to to us, you know, in in 2020. Also, there was some foreshadowing with the dying flower in front of the playground, which I thought was awesome. Um, We did get to see the same children that were riding their bikes um, later on in the in the in the opening movie where they're playing at the famous playground. That's, um, I guess, in Sector 5. And then it looks like the Sector 5 reactor explodes. We kind of got a close-up of the little girl's eye 
Um, and I remember that this was shown quite a while ago um, and people were trying to decipher, I guess, like more information from just looking at the reflection of the eye to see what she was looking at at that time. And then we got a kind of a, a like a zoom around shot um, of the the Mako uh, particles and then like a bird's eye view of Aerith. And then obviously it kind of transitions into the more traditional opening that we are used to seeing with the Final Fantasy VII original. So I'm just going to go into a little bit about my thoughts. I was surprised actually that we got something this soon after the theme song trailer um, that we talked about on the last episode, because this always happens to us. We always record and then something is released like pretty much the day after or the two days after we actually end up releasing the episode. So they're kind of cursed this way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my friend actually showed it to me and then I thought that it was actually the leaked opening from the demo. Um, so my initial reaction was kind of not to watch it. Um, so I was kind of like, no, no, like they, they were showing it to me on their phone and, and they were just like, Hey, look, like, look, this was just posted, whatever. And I, I kind of freaked out and was like, wait, is this like the leak stuff? Because I don't like, I can't, you know, spoil it. So I don't want to see it. And uh, they were like, no, it just released. So it just says that it's the opening movie. So then I was like, oh, okay. So I went ahead and watched it and I really loved it a lot. Like I said in the previous episode, I recently rewatched Advent Children. So at the beginning, it gave me a lot of those vibes that I got from watching Advent Children at the beginning where it's desolate, um, you know, it's kind of like it's dead and it's dusty and it's like a desert um, and there's, you know, canyons and everything. And it, I felt like it was more effective in portraying kind of the darkness and the evilness, um, I guess, that is behind the story of Final Fantasy VII more so than how I felt when I was watching Advent Children. Um, I did appreciate the mixing of the vocal parts of One Wing Angel in the intro music. I thought that it was really well done. And I enjoyed the foreshadowing with the music there. So um, also I thought like, is this a random bird or maybe is this Genova? Like, do we know? Do we not know? Like, I, I don't know uh, what your thoughts are on, on that or. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just a, a usual bird, <laughs> like a, a device to guide us through the wasteland to Midgar. Right. But I don't think there's much more to it, at least not yet. <laughs> But we never know. Yeah, exactly. So I think that they did a really good job of showing how vast the world is and how lived in the world is by showing us more of an everyday look at the lives of the citizens of Midgar. Um, they also stayed pretty true to the original intro. And I think the updates benefit the intro. And I love how the camera just swings around after the Sector 5 explosion and shows us an up-close look at the Mako particles and showing us Aerith. Um, and I think that she's looking awesome. They did change her character model again. I think the changes made her skin look a little different. It, I thought it was more like imperfect looking before. People were complaining online, obviously, uh, in Japan, I guess, about her character model. And um, I think they made her eyes look greener and brighter to match the Mako. But uh, I'm happy with it. I, I think it's, you know, I, I think it's fine. So. After that, it's pretty much just a basic uh, copy of the original intro, and I just love the zooming in and out of the camera like the original, just to show the hugeness of Midgar and how the meteor just kind of falls into the title is amazing, and we get like this explosion of light with this high-pitched little synth sound right before it drops 
like the the drums and the and the brass section of the of the intro music. Yeah, that one was awesome. <laughs> it just totally brought me back to like when I was young, just you know, playing this game, and I just it really hit me there. So I really appreciated that. Just like the small things, you know, that that they're doing, that they're adding in. It really shows their attention to detail and how much that I think they're trying to please um, the original fans um, of the original Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, kind of like the uh, the battle theme where the um, the metallic, yeah, in in the in the the chorus mm -hmm. I think or mm -hmm. in the, the rising melody is also still there, kind of all, almost likes like the the MIDI sound just a little bit lighter, clearer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I like that. So, so many details are retained from the old one. Yeah. And I was watching a, a reaction video, the Max Dude uh, reaction video on YouTube. And uh, I, I remember watching his reaction. And I had a similar reaction to uh, when I was watching the intro as well. And um, he was asking, I guess, like, he, 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 he was kind of freaking out, like, is this in game graphics? Like, is this CGI? Like, he, he <laughs> said it was so good, like, he couldn't tell. But for me, like, I noticed that it was obviously CGI and then they, they really trick you because after, you know, the train starts going and it shows cloud on top of the train for the first bombing mission. And then it goes through the, you can tell that it switches to in-game graphics when it goes through, I guess the steam or the cloud of smoke that the train goes through. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then you can see like the textures kind of change and it looks more like in-game graphics. So. And you can also see some, some anti-aliasing going on. Uh -huh. Not, was not, I mean, not no. I mean, aliasing, anti-aliasing would be uh, the smoothness, but some some um, some lines look a little bit jagged. It's uh -huh. just barely noticeable, but I I did see it. So whenever you see that, it's definitely rendered in game. Yeah, or in engine. So what did you think about uh, this opening movie? Oh, <sighs> where do where to start? <laughs> <laughs> well, all in all, in all, I thought it was pure awesomeness. I think it's. They increased the scope of the intro so mm -hmm. much because in the original we had just the uh, the space camera pan and swiveling, so to speak, like all the, all the stars moving around, and then transitioning to Aerith. Mm -hmm. But here it's 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 a whole slew of scenes showing Midgar, and I really really like that. So, but I think it also makes sense because in the original game it was the whole story and. It was uh, the big bad, so to speak, was Genoa coming from space mm -hmm. and then uh, Sephiroth using her. So that it makes sense to start with space, yeah. where everything started, the calamity mm -hmm. from the skies. And then uh, transitioning to Aerith, one of the ancients, the Cetra, who fended off Genoa uh, the first time. Mm -hmm. But here it's only about Midgar, so it makes total sense to show Midgar, everything that has to do with Midgar, Shinra. Mako drainage or live stream drainage out of the planet and the citizens where you where we want to see more of and makes a lot more sense this way and also as you said Mako reactor then uh, spouts out some particles which mm -hmm. then transition into Aerith make much more sense in this uh, in this context mm -hmm. and before, at the start, when uh, we see the eagle flying through the wasteland, it's definitely depicting the wasteland outside of Midgar. You can see Midgar in the, in the back there, surrounded mm -hmm. by smog clouds, I think. Mm -hmm. And this really shows 
how much life Midgar has already or Shinra has already sucked out of the planet. And mm -hmm. it starts with that, and which is also one of the main themes of the first game. It's, it's lovely made, definitely. Also, it reminds me of uh, when, when the eagle, or is it a falcon, is flying into Midgar. kind of reminds me of the first reveal teaser, where we saw a dove mm -hmm. flying through the clouds and into the outskirts of Midgar. Right. And there are more of that, but I'll get to those a bit later. Yeah. Um, what I really like is the life we see in Midgar. Like, we see the, the children riding mm -hmm. through the streets with... I don't know, is the, are those 50s clothing? Uh, I don't really know, or 60s? Just old, retro, along with all the cars and many yeah. buildings kind of look old and retro, not really modern like the, the skyscrapers around. So it's kind of a dichotomy between old and new everywhere you look. Mm -hmm. And the, I also like how the children race through every single scene. You can re see them race uh, past building sites past uh, the other guys exchanging Mako canisters in, in the, the vehicles. You also see a, a dog mm -hmm. kind of uh, scouring through yeah. trash. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not all uh, hunky-dory and rainbows and unicorns over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really great to see actually the, the meat of, of the city where we are uh, where the whole place, the whole game takes place, mm -hmm. and a small little throwback to the to one of the original renders. I think you have seen it too. There's this um, this uh, what is it? This this gra uh, grappling or um, yeah, it's this like a arm, this hand yes, exactly. Yeah, it's like a tractor. Uh, this construction machine, yeah, tractor that's uh, carrying this um, this pipe with. A robot, robot hand. Yeah. I think it's the same robot hand you also see in Sector 6 and uh, um, Crushed Highway or mm -hmm. Broken Highway. Yeah. It's, it's really great they're putting so much details in this that uh, kind of brings up all the nostalgia. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, and those, uh, those people are racing towards the playground, which kind of reminds me of the playground in Sector 6. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly the same, but it looks similar. Mm -hmm. This is also where it quickly changes to the withering flower you mentioned before. Yeah. Which kind of has a double meaning. One of Shinra draining the life force out of all Ex the plants. And yeah. since it's a lily, foreshadowing for Aerith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also maybe like everybody dying as well from the explosions yeah. do you know what i mean like just yeah that's could be part two yeah <laughs> what i also really like is how when it transitions to dusk well while the uh, the children are playing on the playground you see the lights flicker on from the lanterns and it's their shadows are getting longer yeah so it's uh, this is also kind of i think a metaphor for uh how everything is going uh down the drain <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I liked that. Yeah. Also, the girl sliding down is the, 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 the slide here. Mm -hmm. It's also a scene from the reveal teaser. Yes. The kids playing too. Yeah. Although they don't play with swords, but with a soccer ball. And then the girl looks up to right. the Mako reactor. Same eye shot, but much better. The, the, the graphical fidelity is awesome in this one. Mm -hmm. It has three, it had three durations so far. 
And this one is the best, I think. Yeah. And then Marco reactor number five, igniting, starting to drain everything out of, and then transitions to Aerith. It's, it, I think it's beautifully made all this, the whole uh, scenes yeah. and uh, chain of events. Really shows everything, including all the uh, the trains and the transportation highways. And as you said, Aerith has changed, but not just Aerith, but also the lighting. It's just, it's also yeah. more focused on uh, the Marco light, mm-hmm. which I quite like. Mm-hmm. And for those who haven't seen the the leaked intro from the demo, there's also a new segment in the intro where. Uh, Aerith kind of senses something back in the alley. Right. Looks looks back down and then gets scared, gets up and uh, rushes out. Mm-hmm. And that's also where uh, Sephiroth's chant is also playing again. Yes. I think she senses something there. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's uh, uh, the Guardians of Fates that appear when she meets Cloud. Right. Maybe they're already kind of swirling around or if it, maybe it's just Sephiroth, he, uh, she senses through mm-hmm. the Mako, through the live stream. We don't know yet, I guess. Also, the light, the light flickers a bit, so there's definitely something up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And outside, of course, all the, uh, the, the passerbys don't really care, bump into Aerith. Um, a few flowers fall out of the basket. Mm-hmm. One even steps on it because he doesn't see anything, because mm-hmm. it, it carries a crate in front of him. And then it's that's where... Um, the part of the E3 intro kicks in. That's practically the same afterwards. Yeah. With a little uh, change that we see the full mid-car and the title, title card. Yeah. And the zooming in again, because in the E3 trailer there was just blackness between the train uh, scenes, the train shots. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, and then it also zooms uh, by one of those platforms, which also existed in the original render, but we didn't <laughs> yeah. see much of them. Yeah, somebody had commented that they were like, what is that? Like, they're changing the game. They're adding these extra platforms in. And I was like, no, like, it's always been there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that you, been there, yeah. Yeah, you just couldn't see it that clearly because it was so pixelated in the original game, but it was yeah, there. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny. But well, yeah, then this, the uh, ingenious transition from CGI or pre-rendered to in-game, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Then it's practically the same... Um, the same scene we also see in the original in in-game graphics, just of course spruced up and the guards patrolling. It's just not that cheap anymore. Yeah. And I really like how they uh kind of reinterpreted this scene. <laughs> also, something really funny I noticed is that uh Wedge jumps over the incapacitated guard when they were run to- towards Barrett. Yeah. Barrett gives him the signal, then they run back again and Wedge jumps over the same guy yet again. <laughs> Wedge, the heaviest of them all, is just funny. Yeah. This is this is also one of the many examples where I have faith in the remake, uh, retaining the campiness and the comical side of things. I also thought that the voice, it, like the voice acting, was really well done. But just the the soldier like units that were there, like I, I guess it's just kind of it's just. Like he kind of goes, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. what is happening? I mean, I know what's happening, but I was yeah. just like, when I when you watch the trailer, it's just kind of like, 
it's kind of loud. So you're just kind of like, oh, like, okay, so that happened. And then it turns yeah. and it shows that one of them's on the ground. But it was just, I was just like, wow, okay, yeah. Yeah, it was really great. Then unfortunately it stopped. But in the, in the leaked intro from, from the demo, we see the camera uh, turning around cloud and then it throws you right into gameplay. Mm-hmm. And it's, of course, it's, it, it cut out be- uh, before the guards came. Yeah. But it's, it was nice to see that uh, everything is like one, one continuous camera shot, so to speak. It yes. doesn't just cut and then you're in the game, but it's like in Kingdom Hearts 3, it says uh, the camera pans around Sora to the back and then yeah. you're right in the gameplay without any, any visible transition. It's exactly. Great. And the cutscenes. I mean, like, this is an intro CGI movie, like, cutscene, right? Like, at the beginning, I guess, when you load it up and then you press start or whatever, and then you load mm-hmm. into the game, this is probably what plays, and then you start playing the game, which is just amazing that it's part of the actual game and it makes sense, you know what I mean? Because I remember playing Final Fantasy thirteen, and, I mean, you play through... You know what I mean? Like, you're battling these enemies and everything, but then you have to wait and there's a loading screen, and then it would play a CGI cutscene and it's just not consecutive. Like what yeah, it, right. it, it cuts up the right. gameplay. So then you're kind of pulled out of it. And sometimes it didn't make sense in the context of like what you were actually trying to do. So I don't know. I really like this a lot more. It's consecutive with like what you're doing. It makes sense. And then you just continue to play. And I'm assuming that it's going to be this way for like most of the game. I hope so. I think so too. Yeah, it just flows very well. It's, it's yeah. this this flow, this continuous game loop, so to speak, and exactly. not interrupting you with uh, loading screens and cuts or mm-hmm. something else. Just when you go into the menu or load a save, then of course it has to load. Mm-hmm. Well, not the menu, but the save loading. But other than that, I think they they might have taken inspiration from God of War, maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe it's just just a coincidence because God of War had, I think. When you don't stop playing, it's just one single camera pan or camera yeah. thing. It it never cuts anywhere. It doesn't really. It doesn't even cut between characters. It's just constantly moving, not exactly. cutting anywhere. Yeah, and that's that's really a great achievement, I think. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't uh, rip you out of the experience. Exactly. It's like if you're there because when you're in real life, you also don't get those cuts. <laughs> no, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting what you said before as well that the original intro showed, you know, the outer space and how now they're not they're not showing that part, so they're showing mm-hmm. they're using the Mako particles to kind of create the same feeling that you got when you played the original and it shows kind of like the camera is panning down and then like the stars are moving. Do you know what I mean? Like, I thought that that was yeah. so awesome that they just changed mm-hmm. it and it makes sense in the context of what we're getting in this first part, but yet it stayed so true to the original and, but yet updated it. And I thought that it was incredible. I thought it was awesome. Like, I just can't wait to play this game now. I mean, I always felt that way, but Definitely, yeah. now it's just like, <laughs> I just had that yeah. feeling, you know, that it was just, yeah, I just, uh, I, I'm really uh, happy with, with this intro movie, so yeah, the, the the stars in the original were also too long. I think the the the, the camera in the stars. Mm-hmm, I think, I think it so went too. on for about a minute, mm-hmm. and it's just waiting for well, what what happens now? What is it? Where 
when does the, when does the game start? When yeah, uh, exactly. do I see something? Yeah. Especially on replays, when mm-hmm. you can't skip scenes. So this started to bother me over time. Mm-hmm. So I really like how they start with the clouds and then the, the birds swooping in. You see the barren wasteland. You also see, okay, here, something is up here. There's yeah. no life. Then you see this huge bustling city with uh, skyscrapers and highways and mm-hmm. uh, kids uh, riding along the streets and everything. But then you also see, uh, well, and the folk that don't have it well, especially with the, the dog all, almost starving to death. Mm-hmm. So you already get the feeling that there's wealth, but there's also poorness, like the class divide. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's really well, well uh, pictured and well done, I think. Yeah, I liked also how they kind of foreshadow that, you know, something's lurking there in that alleyway. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this before oh, right, yeah. um, with Aerith and just the chants from uh, One Wing Angel and just that evilness and that, you know, foreshadowing that there's something there. And she's sensing this. And this this makes sense in the context of the fact that, you know, she is an ancient, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And she has these abilities. And she, yeah, she has the connection to the live stream. Exactly. So it makes sense. In the beginning, in the in the original, I mean, you I mean, obviously, like we didn't know before. Well, I didn't know anyway, because I didn't know <laughs> what the game was about. I didn't know anything about the story. There was no internet. I never had anybody to talk to. I never had the game guide. I never had like so I'm watching this. I don't know who this person is. You know, I don't know mm. what she's doing. I just thought she was just hanging out in the alley in the city or whatever. Do you know what I mean? But now it's Mm. just like, there's more context given and there's more story there. So you're kind of left asking questions like, Oh, what was that about? What's this? Like, you know, are we going to see something later on that this is going to pay off from them showing us this kind of thing? So I liked that. A lot of people didn't like it, but I I did like it. And I think that it fits the context of the remake and what they're trying to do. Yeah, that's just one th- one detail I didn't really like, and I don't also don't quite know why they did this. But that's uh, this the Sephiroth chant over the the music in uh, the part before Aerith. Oh, okay. Where we see Midgar. It's kind of the music tells us there is uh, well, at least uh, us the the ones that know how the story ends and that Sephiroth is the real big bad. We know okay, mm-hmm. it's about him. But Shindra and Midgar, this portion is not really about him. Yeah. So I don't quite know why they uh, put this one in the intro. I like that they interjected the chant when uh, Aerith was in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. That I really like because that, that has a real connection to Aerith and to the Guardians of Fate probably that um, appear later on. But when showing Midgar and the citizens... Maybe you can say, okay, well, there's a looming evil that is maybe relevant in the next mm-hmm. game. Well, it's already relevant in this one, but more so to Cloud and the group and not really to to Shinra and the end game in this part, I feel. So I kind of find it strange why they put so much emphasis emphasis on Sephiroth. But again, that's that's me speaking from experience. Uh, mm-hmm. I know the game, the game, all the ins and outs, but someone who hasn't played the game at all doesn't know about it. Exactly. Uh, well, they they don't really have an idea what this this chant and this uh, 
Sephiroth One-Winged Angel song is all about. So they just hear some ominous choir chanting. Exactly. I don't yeah. know, something evil. <clears throat> I guess it's just... I guess some parts they tailor to newcomers and some parts or most of the other parts they tailor to those already in the know, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because we can't just claim the game for our own. The game is also for newcomers, so we also have to keep this in mind. Yeah, I think like what you said, I I agree with what you said. Um, And I think that... Like you said, they're catering to a new audience. So these people that never played the original Final Fantasy VII, they're not going to know that that's, you know, One Wing Angel and that's associated Mm -hmm. with Sephiroth and that's, you know, when does that song play in the original and it's not in the beginning. Like, they're not going to know any of that, but they are going to get this kind of creepy, evil kind of feeling with watching it because it's kind of like not everything is what it seems like that's that's what i got from it because it was more like from the outside it looks like this dystopian society where because you know following the bird it looks like oh it's this huge city it's industrial you know and then it zooms in and then you can see like you said there's like a starving dog and then there's you know it looks like there's poor people and Mm -hmm. it's kind of dirty and you know, the flowers dying and then the little kids yeah, exactly. seeing that they like, it's just kind of like creates that um, emotion, I guess. And that feeling that maybe that's what they were going with. Um, and I, I'm okay with that. I like that, but um, I'm open to that. You know, some people aren't and that's okay, but um, yeah, sure. What I'm also asking myself is, do we actually hear uh, more parts of the one winged angel song in this part already maybe somewhere towards the end where Sephiroth is more involved mm-hmm. or actually on the loose, at least Genova version of him, right? Because then it has the connection to to the beginning. Mm-hmm. It kind of introduces an element that we don't know what it's about. At least the newcomers don't. Mm-hmm. But then, when you have played through the game, you know what this chant is about, and then you play it again, and then oh, okay, that's why. And I agree with you. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with Shinra, but I think like what Aerith said in the last trailer, at the end she said like Shinra power company are not the greatest threat, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like, yeah, they're playing it and I know that it's Sephiroth, but it's not necessarily meaning that like Shinra is the enemy. I'm seeing it as like everybody thinks that this is the way things are, but they actually have no idea Mm -hmm. what's going to happen and what's coming. And that's what I felt by just seeing the bird alone flying into kind of like they don't know what's coming and that represents Mm. Sephiroth kind of, Um, which is why I was kind of asking like, oh, is this Genova Sephiroth but shapeshifted into a bird because Genova shows something familiar, I guess, like to whoever sees it or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Anyway, so, this is just my mind kind of going and yeah, like sure, <laughs> making these connections, some, you know? Like it could be some imagery, like you said, something is is coming, and the the bird is literally the evil that comes to Midgar and then flies into and then mm-hmm. f- uh, festers. I don't know. Could and it's so kind of um, it's so it's like it's not uh, seen as initially being a threat too because it's just a harmless bird right like a hawk or what an eagle or whatever it is like people would not like suspect that kind of thing so anyways yeah yeah 
(laughs) (laughs) So moving on, we did get a bunch of new screenshots. Um, We got some new character key art for the DLC summons, um, including Choco Chick, Cactuar, and uh, Carbuncle. We got a few sample videos showing how these DLC summons will work in battle. We did get to see also some character key art for Hojo and Red 13. I think that we saw the Red 13 one before. I'm not sure, but this was posted on the PlayStation um, blog and not by, I guess, on the Square Enix um, press site. Yeah, exactly. There was some controversy online about, I guess, the Carbuncle and the Choco Choco Chick designs as (laughs) they have larger heads. So honestly, it was just kind of like bound to happen i guess with people making you know memes and things and posting them mm-hmm. on facebook groups and on the reddit and everything and it just kind of went too far and i was just like okay i just <laughs> well there is one funny one that's uh the chocobo chick really tiny and the huge head yeah. hair explosion forming the meteor of the final Fantasy VII logo. <laughs> that was that's just really genuinely funny i like that. i saw that yeah i really like that yeah. so whoever made that props to you because i yep, was definitely really good. Kudos. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean like okay, let's let's talk about this for a second, okay? So I have played the other Final Fantasy games. I know Carbuncle wasn't in Final Fantasy VII, the original. So I'm sure that they thought about, well, we can have more liberties, I guess, to kind of change the design up and make it different, I guess, for the remake. And also the fact that it wasn't in the original. But they do have kind of this basis of what the character has looked like throughout you know x amount of games that carbuncle has been in um and Mm -hmm. i i for me personally i think it's fine i think it's cute but i think that they could have went back and kind of changed it a little bit so that it was closer to what we know from it looking like in the other final fantasies um but i'm open to them changing it like i don't really have an attachment to this character did i like it in final fantasy 15 i liked it more the design in 15 um because i think it was more closer to the original of what we know because the ears are really long and um how you know the horn like now it's a diamond like it's not a it's not a horn per se anymore Mm. so you know I'm okay with it. I think it's cute. I think it looks like a little puppy dog. And when it like <laughs> it showed it in battle and it jumps in and it makes these cute little sounds, I'm into it. Like I'm okay with it. I'm not gonna not play this game because of what a summon like a DLC summon looks like. I've looked online. Yeah, exactly. People are like, I'm canceling my pre order. Oh my god. Well, like I just those are over exaggerating anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean. I, I'm still gonna I'm buying multiple copies of this game. Like it's too late to go back now. <laughs> like Yeah, sure. <laughs> and you can just choose not to use them if you don't wanna look yeah. at them, you know what I mean? But And you only get get them by purchasing the Soldier First Class edition anyway and the digital deluxe edition. Yeah. Otherwise you'd have to wait for a for, for page DLC and if you don't like them, just don't buy them. Don't use them. It's, just, it's that simple. I did show my friend though that's like a Final Fantasy VII like diehard fan, and he just started laughing like so hard, <laughs> and he was like, "What yeah. is that?" And I'm like, "That's Carbuncle," and he was just like, "No, it's not. Like that's not Carbuncle." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, it is now for Final Fantasy VII remake." So um, yeah. anyway, and then we kind of had a conversation about like how much liberty I guess should the artists be given to kind of make changes like that but i mean 
anyway, this is what we're getting. And then people also were referencing, yeah. obviously, the the Sonic the Hedgehog uh, oh, yeah. redo and how it's better now. And that's a, an example of how, I guess, the internet kind of coming together to promote that, you know, the creators changed these things that that is like a benefit because now the Sonic looks better. And I agree, the Sonic does look better. Um, the old Sonic kind of looked creepy, but I think what, oh, yeah. what they were trying to go with, I think, was that they were trying to make him more realistic looking to fit him into the real world yeah, instead of having him just like as a cartoony kind of character. But if you're going to make a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, like, come on, just just leave him like that. Like, leave him yeah, like... Skip the original design, yeah. Exactly. Like, it's just going to be weird and awkward when you're watching it and you're you're seeing how hard they tried to make him look like he actually existed in real life. I think that that's kind of what they're trying to do with Carbuncle. But then I st I'm still asking myself why the big head. It doesn't really make any logical sense, I think. I didn't come up with any reason why his head should be this big. Yeah, I agree with you. Smaller would be better. I, th I, th I still think he's cu cute. Yeah. And looks good. Just the head a little smaller, please. The, the gem isn't that big. So that, that, that isn't the reason either. So I don't know. My, my thought process was he's just got a really big brain. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> and that's it's what he uses. Mastermind. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I mean, the diamond's there. The gem is there, right? So it yeah. looks like he's casting the spells from that. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, if it, they were thinking, oh, well, it's attached to his brain and he uses his brain power. Like, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I'm just trying to just kind rationalize of it, rationalize yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. But... Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with it. I'm going to play this game. I think he's cute. I think that the face is cute. I think that his body's cute. I don't know. I'm, I'm okay with yeah. it. So, I just thought of another meme, of a carbuncle <laughs> meme. Just a carbuncle and then put him on the uh, deal with it sunglasses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just that. <laughs> oh, and my gosh. Spread it through the internet. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, there were some. Somebody really, please do that. There were some really, really bad ones though, and I was like, "Hey guys, like, you need to stop. Like, just yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it just go goes overboard." <laughs> and then the Choco Chick design as well also has a larger head. So I don't know what it is with Square Enix just deciding that they have larger heads. I think it's cute. My friend thought the face was scary, like creepy looking. Like the face uh, was I know creepy. Why, yeah. And it's kind like, of like a duck face in a, on, a, on a chocobo. <laughs> yeah, that's sort that's of, what he yeah. said. He said it looks like like Donald Duck face <laughs> on on yeah. a chocobo chick. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't. It yeah. it's kind of creepy, but it kind of reminds me of um, a Pokemon. So I don't know if maybe they were mm. going closer to like, oh, the summons are more like Pokemon now because you like release them and they go out and they fight with you maybe because it does kind of look like Torchic kind of, but like when it's evolved, I don't know what the names are. I forget. I pl I've played the, the, the Pokemon games. I just, I just forget. Um, I haven't played them in a, okay. in a while. So, but it does look like that and I'm okay with it. You know, what's funny? Um, Chocochick itself didn't remind me of Pokemon, but Cloud's lines, like, you're up, it's your turn, or something like that, exactly. kind of remind me on uh, Ash. Oh, shoot a Pokeball at, at, the, uh, at the enemy. Exactly. It's your turn. Yeah, you. exactly. <laughs> kind of like that, yeah. So, and I liked what you said before, that 
when they enlarged it and it looked like the meteor kind of thing um is just hilarious but it does mm. look like its hair is kind of shaped like cloud's hair so it kind of kind looks of, like yeah. cloud but designed as a chocobo chick anyway i'm okay yeah. with it i i've accepted it and i've just moved on from it um that yeah, this see. is what they've decided to to give us so well, uh, Chocobo Chick makes a bit more sense mm -hmm. because it's a chicken, it's a baby, so to speak, or a little child, and or a, yeah, chicken, <laughs> yeah, and has a bigger head, but it's still a bit too big, maybe I don't know. Yeah, but I, I think don't so really too. care. This is uh, if that's the only problem with the game, then I'm I'm more than happy. Yeah, same here. So also talking about Cactuar, so. Or Cactar, whatever you want. Cactar, yeah. Cactar, <laughs> Cactuar, whatever. Um, so Cactar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he looks like he's just been updated. So like in HD, like he just looks like he's the same, but they just gave him more like HD textures, basically. Um, and I'm happy with this. Yep. Me too. Yeah. It looks like we're getting the same ability. So Thousand Needles, um, mm -hmm. which is awesome. And it looks like, so talking about Carbuncle again, so the Carbuncle Summon, it looks like that he'll um, buff the group. Uh, looks like it casts Barrier on everybody and also heals everybody when it leaves battle. I'm not sure if you've done an analysis on this or not, but uh, what do you think, Fizz? A little bit, a little bit. I, I post, I re retweeted those three um, videos and put my thoughts into those 260 characters. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the Carbuncle casts probably just protect in this instance okay but in the screenshot we got we see tifa in a red mm -hmm. as an encompassed in a, in a red uh shield mm -hmm. but she also has the same uh thing on maybe that's this is the effect when uh one gets physically attacked i'm not oh, really sure okay. because the other ones don't have the same red shield around them oh okay. but in the in the presentation video the uh i think all three had the same blue shield around them when he cast it so i'm not quite sure what's what's interesting is in a japanese version you see it pretty well that one of those hexagons of the shield is red like carbuncle's gem on the head and dress is blue that's so pretty pretty cool okay um and i think uh this is just one of his buffs maybe he uh he also ca casts shell for have having magic attacks right because summons like continually use abilities on their own, mm -hmm. unless you tell them, well, use this, use that. Um, and the ending, like the, the finishing attack from Carbuncle, is heal heal everyone to full. So we see them getting the full max HP mm -hmm. back, and it also removes poison from Cloud. So it also it's like a full heal, complete full heal. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And yeah, that is, that's it for Carbuncle. Cactuar has just straight line of needles into the, the enemy, mm -hmm. like multiple hits. And his finishing attack is AoE, like he, he's, uh, he spurts the, his needles all around the place. Yeah. And we see uh, then Root taking a knee from being staggered. <laughs> and I think uh, Cactuar is a great way to stagger enemies because of the continuous. Uh, Continuously hitting them and then mm -hmm. continuously uh, raising the focus bar, focus gauge. 
Um, are the needles really getting like stuck in Rude? I can't oh. remember if they're sticking off of him or not. I can't remember. I didn't see that and I didn't watch. I, I'd have to check again, but I may, maybe a few. That would, would be really sense. cool. Yeah, yeah if they showed cool, it, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. That would be nice. And then he plucking them out of it when he gets back up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it would be pretty, pretty, pretty intense work for every enemy or boss battle. Maybe just root. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> uh, then Chocobo Chick had only elemental attacks against the Sweeper. We saw, um, we saw it uh, casting thunder mm-hmm. and then explosion as the finishing attack not sure if the explosion is fire-based or ele- uh, non-elemental mm-hmm. it's mm, probably fire-based but uh yeah we'll see then when the game's out i think it's pretty cool that we also have smaller ones i hope that we also get maybe a few small ones in the game proper mm-hmm. chocobo moogle is also rather small i think mm-hmm. And also, I hope we get Bahamut. Please, please, <laughs> at least the first Bahamut in the first game. Oh my nice. gosh, that would the be Neo amazing. The Neo Bahamut in the second and Bahamut Zero in the third. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if, if they're maybe, maybe able to summon them anywhere, but I think they, they uh, work the same everywhere. Okay. Like, or work the same as the other summons, because... The summon animation and them coming out of a glowing orb above, above the uh, battleground is still the same as Ifrit, so I'm pretty sure we can also only cast them uh, or summon them in like special battles, unique battles, mm-hmm. boss battles and the like, and also in bigger areas. Although there's a screenshot with Cactar attacking a Hedgehog Pie from Sector 5, which is kind mm-hmm. of a red frog now. Um, maybe the red frogs or the hedgehog pies accompany a bigger enemy, and that's why we can summon Cactar. Oh, okay. But I'm not quite sure yet. But in the other instance with Carbuncle, we're fighting against the Queen Grash Strike, like a bigger one. Mm-hmm. The, the Grash Strikes are just the small insectoid, uh, man- praying mantis-like enemies. Yeah. And there's a big one, so this is probably uh, also a special fight, which is why we can summon Carbuncle. But yeah, it's all, all still up in the air. Could be deceiving. We'll see, I guess. Yeah, the sample videos were really short, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell how long they're going to stick around because like, you can look at the summon bar, the purple summon bar that's there on the screen. Mm-hmm. It kind of shows a shot, and then it's full, and then the next one is like it's almost gone. So I don't know if that's because the player like chose the commands for their abilities and then it took away that amount of the summon bar or if they're even going to have commands that you can choose because i don't think it showed us the menu of them choosing what abilities to use while attacking so maybe you can't even ask them like give them commands maybe they just come in they cast a few things and they attack a few times and then they're gone because they're kind of like minor summons and not like you said like the main like larger summons like yeah. ifrit and shiva it is possible although i think if you have a summon system you should be consistent throughout so mm-hmm. i do think we're able to give them commands using atb points mm-hmm. uh, we don't see that because it's extremely short 
Yeah. So it's it's possible we can summon them and the bar is full, depletes maybe within a minute or one minute and a half, and then they execute their finishing move. Do you Within think meantime, like every they're... character is going to have their own length of time that they stick around, or do you think it's just going to be a default like summon bar that we see, and it's the same amount of time for every single summon that? That's an interesting thought. I, it, I'm I'm reminded of Final Fantasy VIII with uh, the friendship stat. stat. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you keep continually um, summoning Ifrit, you get more love points for Ifrit but mm-hmm. lose points for Shiva because it's the op- opposite element. Okay. So that's kind of you're establishing a relationship with the summons over time, and uh, the higher the relationship uh, value, the shorter it gets to actually summon the creature because in Final Fantasy VIII, you summon the creature, but the creature is not there yet. And in the meantime, your HP bar gets replaced with uh, summons HP bar. Okay. And then the timer goes down. And in the meantime, when uh, their HP points are up, they take damage for you. Okay. So um, when the friendship is low, they take much more damage because it takes longer for them to actually be summoned. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's how it works there. So maybe there's a default for everyone or a default for each character, so maybe Cloud has a uh, better relationship to, say, Ifrit, mm-hmm. and then if Ifrit is longer on the field when Cloud summons him, mm-hmm. something like that, or there's something, some other system in place, but I'm kind of predicting there's no special okay. uh, additional system than uh, just summoning him. And there's the... Uh, I think... Oh, right. The, uh, there's also the, the Materia levels and i think summons uh, might have might also have levels okay and the higher the level the short uh, the longer they stay on the battlefield could also be a be the case mm-hmm. yeah i was just thinking about that too how the materia all have like leveling so like is that going to unlock more abilities that you have access to for the summons that you can give them maybe commands, as well yeah. you know and then sure. they stick around longer because you like it's leveled up to a certain level, that would be really cool. Anyway, yeah, or it or it also takes uh, less less time to be able to summon because, mm-hmm. as we've we've seen or as uh, Kitas explained in the t- in, on uh, Tokyo Game Show, the presentation of apps and Ifrit summoning mm-hmm. also said that uh, when when the summon synchronizes or a new synchronize with the summon, then uh, the summon can be called. And battle continues with the summon on the field. So maybe there needs there. Maybe there are some other factors that, or um, like certain criteria that have to be yes. met yes. when you're yeah, uh, that have to be met first before you can summon. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe you have to battle for at least a minute until you can summon Ifrit. Maybe you have to cast, I don't know, three. Uh, ice magic spells until Shiva's is is ready or I don't know something like that could also be the case and the higher the level the less criteria you have to meet or the 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 less time it takes to be able to summon the thing mm-hmm. maybe something like that well moving on to the next thing this kind of touches on the next thing that we got as well which was we got some screenshots showing uh mercenary quests 
and also a little explanation how they'll wor- work in the game. So the explanation on the PlayStation blog said that cloud uh, can help out the many people across Midgar, including local merchants. These tasks are varied, so he'll be able to deal with anything from taking out troublesome monsters to finding lost cats. Um, <laughs> it says in this quest, Cloud is asked to deal with some drakes, so he'll get valuable rewards for completing uh, the task. So I like this um, because it shows that, yes, there's going to be quests that will be, you know, given rewards. This could be, the rewards could be Gil, it could be... Uh, materia it could be weapons um and then the higher up that you get basically on these mercenary quests the better the rewards so i like uh the addition of of this um and we're going to talk about a little bit later like we said about a little bit about our apprehensions about the game so i think that this could be used in a way to kind of flesh out the story and and push you to explore midgar even more and bring you to areas that mm. you might not have been to before. Um, and then you might, you know, discover things while you're there, like, oh, there's more side quests here. Oh, there's a shop I haven't been to or a weapons person or, or whatever. And then you kind of are exploring and then you're doing this as well. And then obviously you, ha- you might have to come back to this guy maybe to get your rewards. I'm not sure, but I do like this. Uh, what concerns me is just it getting repetitive and being a huge amount of like fetch quests. Like, for example, it just said that uh, finding lost cats. So, like, <laughs> I, I, I'm into this, but also, like, 15 did a lot of this. And, and honestly, I just got really bored really fast with doing all the fetch quests in 15. So, I think the, I think the main point is Ardo's just quests. Hey, there's my cat. Please uh, get him down. And then you get him down. Oh, thank you. And then the quest is done. That would be cheap and not fun at all. Exactly. You, exactly. Yeah. But when you start to get to know the person better, maybe mm-hmm. the cat uh, is is into the tree because he's it's um, too afraid to come down because there's a monster roaming around exactly. or some other. Or maybe you're like walking down the road and then you're on your way, like you're leaving, you're going to mission, and then he sees you and he's like, "Hey, thanks so much for you know finding my cat for me." Um, I found this and I really want to give it to you. And it's like a weapon or something like, do you know what I mean? Like you yeah, see him again, course, like yeah. later. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, not just that one off because red dead two and the original red dead really did amazing with this where you're playing and then you just come across somebody and they're on the side of the road and maybe they were drinking and they needed a ride somewhere or whatever. And you don't really get rewards until later because they see you again, because it's like they live in this world. So they recognize you. They're yeah, like, Hey, sure yeah, I know you. Thank you so much for helping me. Come here. I've got something to give you or something like just stuff like that, which just kind of makes it Mm -hmm. like, not just like you said, like, oh no, I lost my cat. Find my cat. Thanks. Bye. And then it's over. And then it just has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. That was the problem in in Final Fantasy 15, where most of the quest givers, they were just quest givers or merchants. They don't didn't really have personality. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of them, oh, I have a farm, please uh, get rid of, of the wolves there, or uh, please uh, go get me the onions because I can't uh, leave, the, leave the stall. Or, mm-hmm. But this wasn't really person-specific. This is just random stuff that, well, okay, he's, he's a farmer, he sells stuff. Great. And what else? That was really missed opportunity there. Did you do the quests where the guys were like broken down in their car? 
Yeah, I did. But oh my god, I finished that game and I did all that, and I'm telling you, that was the most annoying thing. Like, yeah. and, and the character models are just copied and pasted. Like, it's yeah, the same definitely. person, and all the cars look car exactly models. the same. And I'm just like, yeah. How many times is this guy gonna break down? They're all supposed to be yeah. different people, but they all look the same. Yeah. So I was really annoyed. Also, the, the the injured hunters that sometimes you run around and oh please help me and then you find the hunter oh uh, can you can yeah. I please have a potion and you give a potion oh thanks and then you get maybe some experience and some mm-hmm. gill and that's it. Oh Just my gosh! Some of the times around. I couldn't even find the people and they were shouting yeah, at me true. like they're like yeah. where are you I need help and I'm like yeah. where are they like I would turn and I'm looking and I don't see anything and I just yeah, same. <laughs> I was like oh my god am I is it a bug like are they there and yeah. then. I finally like ended up finding them and then it's like, hey, here's yeah. here's five XP. You know, and Thanks, I'm already I like <laughs> I'm already like, yeah. I don't know, level fifty and I'm just like, Thanks. Like yeah. the hours that it took me to find this person yeah. was not worth it. It's just not worth it. No, not not worth it. I did it's it for the platinum. Stuff. I did it for the platinum yeah, sure. because I wanted to platinum it. So I did it just because the same, yeah. And I bought yeah, the game guide. Here. Like I had the game guide and I went through the game guide and it showed you where the locations were. But after they updated the game with all the patches, the game mm-hmm. guide wasn't even really up to date anymore. So like Yeah, true. It yeah. was really frustrating. Anyways, sorry. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't really fun most of the time. The actual the ah uh, the chocobo quests were pretty pretty interesting because mm-hmm. uh, you there wasn't that much more to it. But uh, the chocobo chocobo whiz or whiz the mm-hmm. chocobo yeah whoever however you call mm-hmm. it he kind of exuded some some sort of personality and uh, told us about the chocobos and yes. how they're scared and whatever mm-hmm. and this had a little bit more more of heart inside even yeah. if you don't if you only had to to go uh, near the behemoth's uh, den and yeah. find the chocobo that's been hurt and mm-hmm. save him and also and, and also there were uh, the talks and the banter between the guys which was also pretty neat yeah and i think the only uh, optional side quest that really had meat to it was the behemoth the the, the fog eye or mm-hmm. Dead Eye, like that Dead Eye, what it was exactly. Yeah. Dead Eye side quest, which was even more fleshed out in the demo, in the Duskai demo. Mm-hmm. And they cut out at least half half of it. Yeah. Because in the Duskai demo, you had to to find the like broken down or cut down trees and yeah. and uh, imprints on the ground and stuff to find, oh, who did that? Mm-hmm. What is what is there? The behemoth. And to actually track the behemoth down into the into the rock formation and mm-hmm. then it's only then did the real quest in the final game take place so it's i don't know it's a bit of missed opportunity and also did the frog frog hunting <sighs> yeah it was fun the first time but the other four times now please don't <laughs> All right, so it looks like we got as well a screenshot for something that's called Battle Report. So uh, here's what it says in the PlayStation blog. It says, meet Chadley, a 15-year-old research trainee working under Professor Hojo. He's researching new types of materia and needs a little help from Cloud. You can collect Battle Report quests from Chadley in the Sector 7 slums. He'll ask you to achieve various requirements, such as making a certain number of enemies burst or use assess materia a certain amount of times, etc. So, um, yeah, what do you think about this? 
Uh, I'm not quite sold on the character design yet. Kind of reminds me of young Hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although Hope is also 15 years old, I think. Um, I think it could maybe grow on me. I, I guess I just have to first hear how he talks, the language, and how he, how, how, uh, he interacts with the group. But I do like the concept of battle report because this is some sort of uh, hybrid between tutorial quests and getting access to new materia. Yeah. At, in one screenshot where we have to assess an enemy or two different enemies with uh, the assess materia, mm-hmm. um, we get an auto cure materia as a reward. Okay. So I'm pretty sure this is also this is maybe the secondary source of getting new materia and maybe also uh, some uh, unconventional materia, probably, because uh, it seems like Chadley needs our intel to be able to forge or produce new types of materia. So I'm pretty sure this we won't get Cure or uh, Blizzard or Thunder-like materia from him, but mm-hmm. more specialized, like the Autocure. Mm-hmm. Maybe even the, the Deadly Dodge, we see in one of the other screenshots that has, has been detailed in mm-hmm. this uh, blog post, where we have to dodge successfully and then immediately strike back and then the, the bearer uh, performs a, specially, a special hard or strong attack against the enemies. It looks like it's AoE attack, like a swing attack that Cloud performs with his sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, could also be one of those. Uh, but yeah, I'm down with down with it. It's it's always good to have quests quests that teach you how to use certain mechanics of the game and not just oh good go do that retrieve me that and here you have a few XP. So it's it's actually uh, like connecting you with the gameplay. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm looking forward to this. I just hope it's only the first first few are this easy like assess two enemies or stagger five enemies or whatever. I hope uh, we get a bit more complex ones later. Yeah, like you said, I'm I'm totally down with this. I I like this kind of system to help people learn the material system, the battle system, and reward you for actually using the system. You know, mm-hmm. and I I like this. Uh, I'm all for it. I'm hoping that it's not. Um, just kind of bland kind of you know what i mean like the fetch quests yeah. kind of thing where it's just like mm. you're just doing this just for the sake of doing it i really want to i really want to feel like i'm rewarded for doing it but while i'm going through this story like i'm not just yeah sure like are these things going to happen so like it's like i just activate one and then i i have to do this and this works when I'm going through the story and I'm battling enemies, or is this here, you're activating battle report quest number one, you have to go to this place and battle these enemies and use deadly dodge five times. Or is this like, you know, Spider-Man where you are playing the game and while you're playing in Spider-Man, it's like you just get these rewards for doing things like, oh, you know, swing in the air above 2,000 meters or do a tumble 12 times or you do a 360 and you get XP or you, 
like that's just built into the system in Spider-Man. Like I don't need to go to a person and be like, okay, now I have to go and do this. There's some of that too, though, where there's like a crime happening and it shows on the menu when you go there, like it's on the screen. You have to shoot somebody with spider webs 10 times and stick somebody against the wall with the web 10 times, 10 enemies to get the most rewards, but you're not really mm. penalized for not doing it. It's just that you don't get as much XP or you don't get as much. Oh, I see. But, but it's like, it's built in. Like, I don't need to go to a person and like add this in. I would like this to be, you go to Chadley, you talk to him, it's activated, but you can use Deadly Dodge in any, any battle. And when mm. you do it, you get a notification that's like, hey, you've just finished this. So now you can go back to Chadley and get your reward or a materia or whatever it is, and mm. then activate another one. But then it's kind of annoying that you have to go back to him each time too. Like, I don't know. This kind of scares yeah, that's, me that's a little bit. <laughs> that's my worry too, that uh, you have to speak to Chadley at that specific point where he, or location where he is, gets the quests, and then speak to him again. But uh, maybe he, uh, he changes location depending on where you are in the story. Oh, maybe okay. at, at the start he is in Sector 7, as uh, detailed in the blog post. Mm -hmm. But then when, after the second bombing mission, he shows up in Sector 5, where you're running around with Aerith. So we can uh, then just go to him anytime you want. And then uh, maybe he shows up in Wall Market again, but a 15-year-old kid in Wall Market, I mm -hmm. don't quite know. Unless they, uh, <laughs> they comment on it, maybe send him away or try to send him away. Hey, it's not safe for you, but he stays anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so I I could I could see that coming because I also theorized a few times or in the past that each sector or each area we are kind of acts like a hub world. Yeah, so we can always go back to as long as we reside in this uh, area, like sector seven and sector five, sector six. Um, it could work out this way, and according to this uh, the description on the screenshots, it just says assess enemies to provide further intel. Condition, assess two enemy types. So it looks like you can just assess two different enemy types and you're done. Anywhere, any enemy, no worries. So I think it's, uh, it's kind of like we are hoping it is. Will be. It would be really cool if it was a menu and then you just didn't have to go back to him um, to activate it. But I do like what you said about him being in different areas. Maybe he, when you go to talk to him in a new area, he's like, hey, um, how's it going with those, you know, battle reports that I gave mm -hmm. you, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, yeah, Professor Hojo sent me out. I'm doing some field research. I'm looking at, you know, whatever. And then that explains mm -hmm. why he's there. And maybe he's walking around in the environment, like touching things. Mm -hmm. He's not just standing in a corner doing nothing. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> like waiting for you to come up and just talk to him with an exclamation point above his head. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so too. That's that all... Not just quest givers, but all uh, NPCs don't just stay still um, in the same location anytime, but roam around a little bit in at least uh, a smaller circle so that they don't look like NPCs just waiting for you to talk to, talk to them. Like 15 did this a lot, and it was like you went to the quest giver, but you had to go back to, this, to the quest giver that gave mm. you the quest. And like, I mean, in that game, like you got to drive. And I liked the car, but when you, the world was so big, like 
Mm, it yeah. took you a long time to get back to some of the NPCs. And they're just standing well, there waiting for you. Like, oh yeah, no, there I know. It was fast travel. Yes, but, but you had to loading wait times for it were to load. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so then it was just, anyway, I just, I really yeah. hope it doesn't turn into that. I'm kind of scared. Same. We're going to talk about yeah, a little same. bit more about this um, in the second segment. So um, about our apprehensions about this stuff. So moving on to our next thing. So what we got were screenshots showing Tifa and her combat style and abilities as well. So Viz, it looks like you have really uh, went through these screenshots and uh, gave a really good analysis here. So why don't you get into uh, Tifa and the combat there? Um, well, it's, it's kind of a preliminary analysis, just me looking through mm -hmm. the screenshots time and time again, because I've, I'm also working on other videos already. It takes so much time, it's unbelievable. Anyway, uh, we also already get, uh, got a view, good view on Tifa's abilities and how she works in combat in uh, the Tokyo Game Show presentation, where she was uh, battling, or the group was battling X, not X, apps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, one one of Tifa's abilities is called Axe Kick. That's why I got it jumbled okay. up in my head. <laughs> yeah, so, but here they uh, just showcase uh, the most important bits. Um, her trial attack is, I think you can say special attack, and she can boost up the special attack. So in, in the basic form, it's just an uppercut that launches the enemy in the air, mm -hmm. where you can probably just keep pummeling the enemy be before... Uh, before they hit the ground and can uh, counterattack. So kind of air juggling might be a thing here. Mm -hmm. And then, then there's this one ability you can charge up this um, this triangle attack. And this, the, the, the second is called Omnistrike, well, with the first called Whirling, whirling Uppercut. Mm -hmm. And Omnistrike is, I think it's just a... Uh, kind of a shoulder tackle, a hard shoulder tackle that uh, pushes the enemy backwards. And then the third stage, when you have um, increased it a second time, then Tifa attacks uh, with uh, some, some roundhouse kicks a few times. I think there's uh, three, three hits. And then finishing off with a palm strike right into the chest. So, and as I see it, each time you perform such a triangle attack, it goes down a level. And while on level 2 or level 3 we have a timer, like the, the background behind the button label has this uh, timer bar that slowly goes down. If it's down, that then it derates automatically. So it's, it's kind of a layered special attack um, system that Tifa has. And the rest is just uh, combo after combo after combo. Mm -hmm. So her normal attack, it's like like a cloud has this uh, five stage combo. Tifa has, I think, seven. A few punches and a kick at the end. And her abilities, uh, she can just uh, interject them at any time to either uh, use the axe kick from above, use a kick uh, straight through. Or also this the, the true strike ability. They are showcasing here. Uh, do they say anything about that? No, it's just a swift attack, true strike move. 
then the intensely powerful dive kick is called axe kick from above. We've also already seen that in the E3 trailer and in the apps, apps showcasing. So it's not too much new stuff, but it's still interesting to see how she works. But you can all, all, only glean the full extent of her abilities when you, of course, play the game. Mm -hmm. This is just scratching your surface, I, th I guess. Um, what's interesting, though, is in one of the screenshots, we see more of the sewers. I think some uh, walkways above here. And another sneak peek at the game, at uh, the enemy, Blue Goo, like this, the puff, puff fish. Yeah. Puffer fish, however it's called, with, with the, the spikes on, on this belly that can uh, inflate itself. I think that's it for Tifa. Just a, f a short interjection. We had got also one screenshot of Aerith. Mm-hmm. Uh, casting regen on herself. We also see a little bit more of the train graveyard here. Um, with new enemy enemies, new enemy type, kind of uh, a rat, sort of a rat on two legs with a the mm -hmm. head of a, a bat, I guess. It's a weird thing. But it's definitely something new. Mm -hmm. And But what I'm asking myself is they describe this screenshot uh, with healing material lets you use spells like Cure and Cura. So Cure, Cura, Curaga is confirmed mm -hmm. in the screenshot above. Uh, in the screenshot above, we can see Aerith using Regen, a spell that will gradually heal its target for a while, as we Final Fantasy enthusiasts already know. But uh, in the original game, I think the, the Restore Materia could learn Cure 1, 2, 3, and Regen. Right. And I wonder if it's still the same or if regen has, is contained in its own material with uh, oh, maybe okay. a stronger version of regen or something. Or maybe paired with poison, but I don't think so. We'll see, I guess. Maybe it's just the same. Cure, Cura, Curaga, and regen. So you're thinking that, so it's like healing materia is just like one materia. It's called healing materia. So it has cure and then those upgrade to Cura and Curaga, um, and then it also has regen inside of the healing materia. Is that what you're thinking? Probably, yeah, because the original restore materia had that as well. Okay. Um, also, something interesting, um, we've got a glimpse of Nailbat being in the game already in one of the screenshots uh, mm -hmm. where they showcased the weapon up weapons upgrade. Yeah. But here we actually get to see how it looks, and it looks just like the original, with more nails and higher fidelity, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's cool to see it in action. And another sneak peek at another enemy called Caesar. Uh, Caesar, it's the, uh, the crab enemy in the sewers, the red one. Yeah. You can't see it that well because of the sparks. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Of course, no material slots. <laughs> <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I think that's it for, for the uh, battle battle screenshots nothing particularly of interest oh there's one more battle screenshots uh, where they showcase Cloud and Tifa going after the Drake uh, man mentioned in the quest description yeah um, it's, it seems like they have to go into a shed or something like that to get rid of the nuisances and it, this enemy looks kind of a recolor of Dean, Dean Glow 
the one uh, this this small drake like enemy in the train graveyard. Mm-hmm. Some thought it's uh, this thunderbird. Okay. I forget the name, but it's definitely not a bird. It's it's a reptilian, a reptile enemy. But oh, I also wanted to uh, to mention this here in the screenshots revolving around quests. We see Cloud only Cloud and Tifa being uh, together and battling things. So Barrett is not around, which is also new. Because in the um, in the original, there were first no uh, quests or no battles in Sector 7 itself. Mm-hmm. And it was either just us, Cloud, running around on our own, or just being in, in Seventh Heaven. So it seems like they expanded quite a lot with Cloud and Tifa roaming around, doing quests and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, same here. And a lot of this, too, with the Tifa combat, we did talk about on previous episode as well. I think it was our TGS um, episode that we talked about the trailer there because we could see, like, you know, that her um, fists glow a different color because each time that she's upgrading or she's charging up, basically. And then um, so it was just good to kind of get more clarification about her abilities there and also just to see that, you know, Regen is back in the game and Kira and Kiraga and everything else seems um, pretty awesome. So I'm super excited about that. There's one, one thing that I'm, I'm hoping, and that's uh, kind of have the, op- the option to display quest markers or other markers or even the map. I think map display on off is confirmed okay. when we got a glimpse of the, the menu. But I also kind of would like to be able to uh, disable the, the quest markers on the map because here in, on the screenshot, we see Chadley's marker, which is bigger because it's on screen. And there are all also three other quest markers outside of the visible map and roaming around the uh, the edge of the map on mm-hmm. the top right. So it's kind of, it's like a modern, modern take or uh, should I say the modern implementation of the questing system because the original didn't really have a quest system. It just no. had quests. You kind of had to just so, kind of find them, yeah, just by talking to people, yeah. And there was no quest yeah. markers. There were no, yeah, like it was just or quest lock, yeah, exactly. Like you just walked around and talked to everybody and every NPC because you didn't know if they were going to give you a potion. Maybe yeah, they were exactly. going to give you a materia. Like you, you didn't know. Like you're just. Yeah. That's why it was like a big thing. Final Fantasy. It was always, always like talk to every NPC. And, exactly, and, yeah. <laughs> and and keep talking to them though, because sometimes too, mm-hmm. after the initial conversation, you keep you go back and you talk to them again a few times, then the conversation changes and then they give you something. Yeah. Right? Yeah, especially the one in, in Rocket Town, the old man, which gives you the Yoshiyuki. Mm-hmm. After talking to him, I think three times or yes, some, I think something. It's three and times. also listening to him. Yeah, listening to him, and then he shows uh, tells you something about Rocket and it pans up, shows it's rocket, pans down again. Yeah. That's, yeah, I hope they retain some of those mm-hmm. without quest markers because it's not really quest, it's just a reward for uh, listening to a guy. <laughs> and then it says on here that there were two location shots and you said that it looks like there's a potion vending machine in the tunnels oh, or something? Oh, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's the shot from the Mako reactor core, which we've already seen in, uh, in trailers and the, the demo and stuff. It's not really much more of interest here, but mm-hmm. yeah, the, the tunnel looks gorgeous for one and for the other there's this 
this short short side segment uh which you reach with uh or oh no maybe it's just a, maybe it's a station it's it might be a station or something oh, okay. i don't know although no it doesn't really look like a station because it all has those uh uh what are those got like contr control cabinets oh okay on the side yeah it's maybe maybe it's just for uh for the service service uh personnel could be to yeah to take care of stuff and making sure that everything works but there's also this uh this potion vending machine or at least it looks like a potion vending machine that would be really cool if there are potion yeah. vending machines or vending machines yeah. that give you anything. Like you can just buy it from there. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, just items like curative items or items that uh, inflict status effects on enemies. Just little items that uh, mm -hmm. yeah could be there in a in some, uh, such a potion dispenser. Yeah, like I mean, in Persona Five, there was just vending machines that you could go to and you could choose, but theirs were more like soft drinks and like names of snacks oh, and stuff because it took okay. place in high school. But they yeah. were they were students, and there was there was like vending machines outside of the school and in the market area and all this stuff. So that's pretty cool, but it obviously it's mm -hmm. not going to be the same as that. But it would be pretty cool because sure. I did use those a lot when I was playing a game because some of the some of the vending machines had different items in it um mm -hmm. at different times too like sometimes you couldn't get certain things on mondays or something like that because they had a calendar right so and then yeah right there yeah. yeah like i just i i did like that about that game so that would be pretty cool if uh if they had that in the remake so yeah sure also the quests log in the menu there was also a screenshot about the quest log how it's how it looks and this kind of puts me at ease um because here we see quests of Chapter 3, Home Sweet Slum, which is probably just uh, the Sector 7 part. I mm -hmm. guess as Chapter 1 is the bombing mission, and Chapter 2 starts after the explosion, where we meet Aerith and, and uh, travel down again. Mm -hmm. Then Chapter 3 is here. And we have six slots, four of which are filled in, which also coincides with the other screenshot, which has four quest markers, one of Chadley and three outside of the visible area right uh, one is rat problem one the nuisance in the factory and one lost friends nice with a girl so it's uh it looks like those those quests are first finite per per area mm -hmm. and some of them we have probably have to unlock maybe it's there are follow-up quests or maybe we have to hit a certain story plot point first uh, but it looks like each each quest has more to it than just go kill this and I give you exp, right? Because otherwise uh, they won't won't be making such a big deal out of it in uh, the menu design. And there's also a progression indicator for each quest. For example, nuisance in the factory has five steps, lost friends as well, and we see which steps we've already completed. So uh, while I think it's a bit, little bit of hand-holding, I think it's also more important because when you don't power through the game, you might forget about quests and don't exactly. remember, oh, where was this? Where, where was I? What, what did I do already? And then you have to just run around aimlessly to yeah. collect everything. And yeah, I think it has positives and negatives. But mm -hmm. um, in the end, I think it's, it's, it's a positive. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and I was also thinking about, you know, when 
Uh, I played through Final Fantasy 13, three lightning returns. They had, it was kind of like there was a time mechanic. So certain quests weren't available at certain times and on Mm. certain days, I think, I can't remember if it was days or not, but you had to go. I think just time. Yeah. Yeah. So like, but I liked that because then you had to make sure that, you know, okay, I got to come back here tomorrow at this time or whatever. Mm. And then it's just kind of like, feels more alive i guess that people aren't there because maybe they're gone doing something else or whatever you know what i mean so all right guys so we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we will be chatting about our apprehensions and concerns that we have about the final fantasy 7 remake and also we'll be talking about sony and how they canceled their pax east um presence this year all that and more after this everybody and welcome back to another episode of the reunion of final fantasy 7 remake podcast i'm kairosis and i'm here with my co-host viz we are talking about our apprehensions uh for the final fantasy 7 remake basically we're thinking about what would make us feel negative kind of negative feelings about the game and what would cause us to kind of not not really feel into the game and also we're talking about what makes Final Fantasy VII actually Final Fantasy VII and what does the new content need to accomplish for us to feel that it fits into the Final Fantasy VII remake. So we were asked this by a member of our Discord community, uh, Pime. So uh, because everything that we've been talking about so far has been really positive and that's basically because we did bring some controversial things uh, to the table, we did discuss those things, but for that, I kind of made a choice that I didn't really want to bring a lot of negativity or a lot of attention to those things because I didn't really want to give them power um, and kind of destroy, you know, the positive feeling that we've been having about the game since, you know, I've been really happy with everything we've seen so far. But obviously, there are things that I feel that I'm kind of um, concerned about. So for me, the number one thing is uh, that we talked about earlier was just a lot of kind of soulless fetch quests that have little to do with the story and they don't develop in any way. Um, And that Square Enix felt that that's what they needed to do to make Midgar feel more alive. Um, Also, I'm thinking about unnecessary characters that are introduced And they're not given enough time or enough story development. Um, So they just feel like a waste of time to kind of distract us. Like when I think about it, I'm thinking about there are so many ways that they can go about adding new characters in and and really flesh them out and give them backgrounds to make them feel like they belong in this environment and belong in this story instead of just kind of like throwaway characters to kind of distract us and fill up the time to make the game, you know, 40 or 50 hours long let's say um because that's what they need to do to make the game as long as possible basically that's one of my concerns with chadley which could be a great character and maybe we get a bit more information each time we perform a quest for him or finish a quest and he finishes the material for us 
and actually has maybe a little character arc and maybe distances him, himself from Hojo towards the end of the game or something like that. Exactly. But it could also turn out the exact other way that he's just there to uh, give us those tutorial quests and rewards us with, with materia. And it's just that a material dispenser and a bit, a little bit of uh, tutorial for us to learn the mechanics. I hope there's more to it. Mm -hmm. I really hope there's more Same. to it. Because otherwise, it doesn't really make much sense to introduce a new character. It could just be random NPC number 455 <laughs> or something. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's that's my concern as well. And I think that there's a happy medium between the two. I think that you can achieve that kind of balance between it being an NPC and you have to go see them to get quests and that sort of thing, but then also actually giving them story and giving them background, showing what like their life is like, not really going in their history or anything, but just showing yeah. maybe him, you know, working with Professor Hojo in the lab. And then maybe they're having a conversation or something just so that it feels like they belong and not just, they're just there. You turn a corner, you see this person with an exclamation point above their head, you go talk to them, they're just there, and then you leave, and you do it because you basically want the materia. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we even see Chadley in the Shinra HQ when we're, we're raiding that thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe. It'd be nice to, to see him there, too. Maybe in a, in a quarrel or in a discussion with, maybe even, even argument with Professor Hojo or something. Kind of those little things. Yeah, exactly. And also I'm thinking about the previous Final Fantasies and also The Witcher 3. So The Witcher mm -hmm. 3 is a really great game. I had my issues with that game, um, but ultimately it is, it is a really, really well-made uh, game and the story is really great and everything. Um, but some of the side quests, it's, they're, they're really long. Like Some of the cutscenes for the side quests in that game are like 30 minutes. And you're just sitting mm -hmm. there listening to them talk. And that's fine if you have time to do that. But like, sure, I don't yeah. have time to listen to that. So I'm, <laughs> I have other things I have to do. But I'm trying to basically wait for the person to finish talking so then I can actually pause, save the game, and then exit the game. So I think yeah, that exactly. that's kind of going way, like, it's almost too much. Mm. You know, and I know there's a lot of MMOs that are like that as well, but that's, I mean, this is just my opinion, okay? So that's not what I want. I don't want that. Um, but I also don't just want throwaway quests, you know, NPCs that yeah, have same. no meaning, and they're just there in the world, like 15, like, you, like we talked about earlier, the guy, his car broke mm -hmm. down. It's supposed to be a new person, but you can just tell that they've copied, they copied the character model, they changed the shirt color, gave him a scarf. It's the same dude. Or the same yeah. girl. It's the same person. And it was just so daunting. And so it just had nothing to do with anything. And I just felt like so demotivated doing all those things. Mm. Um, by yeah, the exactly. end of playing that game, like I was being punished. Like it should never <laughs> feel that way. But also mm. The Witcher 3, it's kind of punishing you in the other way that I loved the story and the lore they were giving. But it was so long. It was so long. Like there has to be half a medium between the two like eventually yeah. in the witcher 3 i just ended up doing i did the side quest but i didn't do any of those fetch quest things like i had to stop i was just like i can't i can't do it like it was just so much and there were so many other games out that i had to move on from yeah. from playing that game you know and every game wants your attention they want you to play it over and over and over yep. again that's how they get yep. you 
but mm-hmm. there's so many That's other true. games and there's not enough time. And I'm, you know, an adult with a career. If you're a child, yep. it's different because you're a child. It's like you have this time to be able to play the games on the weekends and after school and stuff outside of just doing your homework, which is awesome. But it's just everybody has a different reality, I guess. So I'm just saying if if that's what you want, that's OK. It's just it's just my opinion about this. Yeah. Also, sometimes less is more. Sometimes it's it's more interesting to only get the glimpse of something and then your brain fills in the blanks. That there's just so much information that you know what's going on, but can uh, like make out the rest. Yeah, exactly. Yourself. That's what the original did with so many as- aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one of my concerns is how open will the game be? Uh, I think that it's going to be a combination of Final Fantasy 13 and 15, that there's going to be large open areas that we're going to be able to go to. Like you said earlier, we've talked about this multiple times about there being world hubs and the hub mm-hmm. is, is large and open and there's, but there is corridors where you're going through different parts of like Shinra tower because you have to go there for the quests that you're mm-hmm. doing and that sort of thing. I think there's a happy medium between the two. I am concerned because we haven't really seen any real exploration. We haven't seen the world and them just kind of exploring the world and, and doing anything. We've seen a lot of battling. We've seen cuts, beautiful cut scenes. We've seen these menus for the side quests, but we haven't seen, well, what is it going to look like for them to actually get from point A to part, point B so they can do that quest? Like, we haven't seen any of that, and that kind of scares me a little bit. I think mm. that it's going to be fine. I have faith that it's going to be what they're promising, but I just hope that they learned from the previous games that, you know, 13 was just a corridor for 30 hours. Yep. 30 hours. You're literally just yep. walking in these dull environments and the story is so convoluted. You have no idea what you're trying to do. Like you're just being funneled down these corridors to learn how the battle system works, right? Which is great. Mm-hmm. I like that about 13. But this It's too long. It's too long, exactly. And I feel like 15 was the complete opposite, where it's just like, okay, boom, you're in this world. Go free. Figure yeah. figure it out on your own. Like figure it out. And there was not really any story. I mean, there was, but it was just so messed up with Versus 13 being, you know, delayed and delayed and then taken. Mm. That was canceled and this was just that. But anyway, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Exactly. Like, you know, (laughs) but it was just kind of like it's that was too much. Like and then and then they gave you the openness at the beginning and then the Mm. ending was a corridor. The yeah. ending was a corridor after having all that freedom. And then the end, mm-hmm. they forced you. They did the opposite of what 13 did. 13, it was a corridor for 30 hours. And then it opened up and you had this huge yeah. area you could explore and blah, blah, blah. I liked 13. I liked the combat in 13. I didn't like being funneled in a, in a, in a hallway. But, and the story was crazy. Like I, I still have to read things online to figure out what actually <laughs> yeah. happened. But I did like, the gameplay, I love the battle system, the characters, you know, it's that JRPG kind of generic character where they're crying and there's drama and you're like, why are they crying? Like, you're just trying to figure out like, what's, what's happening? You know, that's <laughs> fine. I, I didn't mind that. I liked it, but I just hope that this is both like, it's a happy medium between the two. Cause I think that mm. those things really hurt those games. Well, to be fair with Final Fantasy 13 and 15, the openness and corridor aspects 
being inverted makes sense from the st from from a story perspective. Like what happens sometime in the beginning, there wasn't like a a, a laser focused goal, but then afterwards uh, after Alticia, it became something of a focus. At least yeah, how they it ended up to be. So it kind of makes sense, but it's still from a gameplay perspective, it's. Uh... Like they showed it's us kind of environments weird. of Alticia and they showed us environments of yeah. I don't know the names. I forget. I haven't played Nif that game. Nifelheim. Yeah, they showed that. And then the one where's Luna Freya from? I forget. But they showed that. Uh Tenebrae. Yeah, yeah, in the movie. But I thought that we were gonna go to her mm. city and explore it and like Nothing. do quests there. But it, you don't even Nothing. it's literally <laughs> just in the background over a cliff. And yeah, it's on fire. You don't get to go yeah. there. You don't get to explore it. You're just like, look how cool that is. I guess I, I'm going to go there next. And you don't go there. Yeah. You don't nope. go there. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a shame. And in 13, it was just too much corridor. In Final Fantasy X, it was at least well uh, covered up corridor. Mm -hmm. And you had uh, many story points that... Uh, Pushed, pushed the story and the plot. Yeah. Get interesting conversations. You had interesting environments. You could go uh, back and forth as a both, both directions. In thirteen was made, just go straight and battle enemies, and that's that. You couldn't really go back. Well, you could maybe go back uh, in 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 the area you were in, but it didn't didn't really make any sense when you already. Mm -hmm. um, looted every chest that was there and the, there aren't really side paths anyway so it's it's those are really the, t the two extremes and final fantasy 7 remake should be in my opinion in the middle it, it mm -hmm. should have laser focused funneled uh corridor like exactly um parts like on, on a bombing mission uh-huh it's, it's especially in, in the beginning because it just doesn't really make much sense to deviate from the main path. But then when you have uh, time to breathe, you need an open area to look around, talk with people, make quests, whatever you, you like. And then when the next mission starts or next main plot point happens, uh, throw me into a corridor again. I don't really care as, lo as long as, it's fit as it fits the pacing. Mm -hmm. So... Good, good balance is the key here. Mm -hmm. And I keep referencing Spider-Man a lot because I just played <laughs> it, but it's similar to that where it's, yes, it's like, it's open. You can fly anywhere. Can you go into any building? No, the buildings look mm. amazing. You can't go into every single building. When you use a quest or you, you activate a quest, it shows you the marker. Then you have to go there. Then you go there. Maybe you go inside a building. Maybe you have to go in the ceiling and go through the vents. Maybe you have to go down a hallway. Maybe you have to, you know, crouch and you're doing stealth or like that was exciting. I liked that. I loved that. I didn't care that I couldn't go into any building that I wanted, like in GTA 5 or other games where it's kind of like it's so open that it's just so daunting. You know what I mean? Like that mm. was kind of like a happy medium. And I liked that about that game. But the fetch quests in that game were really annoying. Um, and I'm still not mm. done playing it because of that simple fact that I just got burned out because of all the oh fetch boy. quests and everything that I had to do. And that's why I'm like yeah. looking at this and I'm kind of getting scared. But I think that it's going to be fine. I just, it's just like you said, finding that balance between 
everything, which is so difficult to be able to do. It is. And yeah. I do not envy Square Enix at all having to nope. find that balance and please everybody and do this, but also make it reinvigorate the story and and just like kind of update it and do all that. Like that's a lot of work, but also a lot of stress to have on your shoulders to be able to do oh, that, yeah. you know? Um and people are just going to rip it apart because it's not going to be what they perceived in their mind that it was going to be. So that's also, you know, um, let's hope that doesn't happen, but uh, it's not mm. going to be what everybody wants it to be. So, Oh, definitely not. No, no. It, it also shouldn't please everybody. It should please the majority mm -hmm. or it should at least please the developers because if you can't stand behind the product, it's no good. If all, all of the whole team working on Final Fantasy VII Remake can stand behind it and be proud of their work. And at least that is a positive. Mm -hmm. The second positive is, does the game hold up? Do all, all of the pieces fit together? And do they create, create a, a, whole, that, a whole experience that feels coherent mm -hmm. and feels that this, the story serves the gameplay and vice versa and everything fits and also doesn't destroy the nostalgia, but also kind of... Uh, reinvigorates it and brings a bit more to the table that makes it feel fresh again for for veterans mm -hmm. but still still retains the soul of of the of uh, the game and honors the memories yeah it's it's really a, a fine line to walk i think that everything we've seen so far yeah like i mm, yeah. i think it's fine and which is like i'm impressed by everything and i think that they're doing a really great job um and that's one of the things that, you know, why we're being so positive about it, because everything we've seen so far, like, I haven't really had any indicator that it's going to be like those things that we just talked about. But I'm still apprehensive because I know that it's Square Enix and I know mm. the based on the other games that they've made the in the Final Fantasy series and other games like in, in general, like sometimes they lack focus and they're not, you know, the greatest experiences. and um, but I just, I'm positive. Like I'm trying to stay positive. I don't want to focus on that because then yeah, same. it will take away from the experience that I have when I actually play through the game and I want mm. to play through the game in the, I guess the, like the purest way, basically. Um, I don't know how else to explain it. So, um, so another thing that I'm kind of worried about is changing the story of the game so much that it's like extremely different from the original. And I know that they're going to be extending the characters and fleshing it out more. And they're going to have to change certain, certain story elements to make it work because they've split it up into different parts. And you kind of talked about this before um, last episode, mm -hmm. how, you know, Genova is they've added, you think that they've added a Genova boss battle, which didn't happen in the original, but it makes sense yep. in the grand scheme of things, how they're trying to, it's still the same story, but it's not changing it to the point where it's not the same game anymore. Um, so that's one of my concerns as well. And taking out the awkwardness or the campiness of the original, which it doesn't look like they're doing. It looks like from what we've seen with the uh, cross-dressing scene, it's very campy. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's very quirky based on how they talk to each other. Um, and the, the dialogue that you can be, you can hear, uh, while the characters are talking to each other. 
I'm loving it. I think that it's going to be fine, but I also I'm still thinking about these things. Um, well, it, 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 could, it could also be that they only showed the good parts that seem like the original, but there could also be several other segments in the game that kind of dis- destroy this uh, mm-hmm. nice balance they have going. Maybe. That's true. Could be. I don't think it will be, but you never know. So always be a little bit apprehensive and prepare for mm-hmm. worse, maybe not the worst, but for worse outcomes and then still be surprised or uh, positively surprised when everything is the way you hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. So the term I, I stopped liking is cautiously optimistic. It makes sense, but it's being used so much that I, I'm, I'm getting sick of it. But it's still, mm-hmm. it's, it's the best way to, to describe the feeling that one should have or how one should um, be prepared for the game. Stay optimistic, but don't over, go overboard. And kind of prepare for things that could disappoint you. Just kind of be in the middle. Don't downplay everything. Don't taint it to get on the game, but don't uh, fall for the extreme hype. And then when uh, Carbuncle has a big head, you're pre- canceling pre-order. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, <laughs> just don't go to the extreme. That's my, my mantra. Yeah, exactly. I also wrote um, the new songs. Like, it concerns me that the new songs that they're putting in the game are not going to be as impactful as the original music. Um, oh, you mean uh, new compositions along the arranged ones? Yeah, I'm just thinking that there might be new compositions in the game. Like, obviously, Probably, yeah. we don't know, but I'm just kind of scared that the new ones aren't going to be as good as the re-arrangement uh, of mm. the original um, yeah. music. Which sound great so far. The, the rearranged ones sound so good. Yeah, they do. The they ones do. I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm impressed so far with the music. I think it's it's really, really good. But I also, I'm just thinking about, you know, themes for, you know, if they have new characters and they write yeah. themes for Rush, those. Rush is exactly, theme, Exactly, or something. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be as impactful as the original Mm. music um also so thinking about just purchasable dlc that gets released later like we don't know if this is going to happen or not maybe they're going to be they're going to do this to keep this game alive to keep people coming back to the game so that there isn't as much downtime between the parts like i don't know what your thoughts are on this but for me like 15 and 13, so 13 too, I think had like a battle arena and then you could like buy boss battles mm-hmm. and to get like rare drops and stuff. I didn't, I, I didn't buy any of those. I was just like, no, I'm done with this game. Like I didn't like that. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to have to pay for boss battles. Okay. Like why aren't they just in the yeah. game? Like that was my takeaway. But, but the thing is that I did like was that about that was that some of the enemies were enemies that weren't in 13 or 13 2, but they belonged to other Final Fantasy games. So it mm-hmm. gave you a chance to see them in HD and you could fight them. And they had some of the same attacks that they had traditionally. And it like was just, Gilgamesh. Exactly. So that was really cool, but I just didn't care. And I was done with the game. So I didn't buy any of those because I didn't feel like mm. that justified me spending money on that. Um, and also for 15, like these collaboration events that they did, that's great. 
if you're super into the game, it's just giving you more an excuse to go back to the game, which that's fine. Mm. Like I bought the ultimate collector's edition. Like I wanted it all. I wanted everything, but then there were so many collaborations and so many, um, limited like items and things that were released that I missed because there were so many that it was so overwhelming for me that I just Mm. literally didn't care anymore. Like, when I started out, I, <laughs> I wanted every weapon. I wanted all the items I could get, which is why I bought the Ultimate Collector's Edition because I thought I had mm-hmm. everything. But then they released Story DLC yeah. and made we they mm-hmm. made us pay for it. Like mm-hmm. these are probably things that were cut from the original game that they couldn't finish in time for when the game came out, which is fine. I understand that, and I ended in up part, buying yeah. them. I ended up buying the DLC, <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> and I played it, and that's fine because I wanted the whole story. But just like these weird. They they really went crazy with like the um the collaborations like with other companies and things like the cup noodle and yeah. the uh oh, yeah. the Afro Jack. There was like a weapon that was shaped like a yeah. ghetto blaster that played Afrojack music or that key, you could keyboard use to, something, yeah. Yeah, and it was just so many things and I was just like I just was so done. I moved on. I was like, there's so many things. There's no way that I'm gonna be able to have it all. And I didn't care because the game wasn't that good that I would literally spend more money on it or go back to it and do the things that I needed to do to get those items. Like I just didn't care anymore. Like that was really annoying to me. Yeah, same happened to me with the Royal Edition. I was through the game and had Platinum. I've played the uh, the Chocobo Moogle event Mm -hmm. thingy. I played uh, the Assassin's Creed crossover Mm -hmm. event, which was pretty cool and had cool music. Yeah. And I played all the episodes, including Arden's episode. Mm-hmm. But then the Royal Edition. Uh, I know. I'd, I'd have to, had to either load load a save and play through certain parts again. And yeah. the end game, especially last dungeon. Then no. I just watched someone play it online. That That's what I did. It. Yeah. Because I was yeah. like, I wonder what happens. Like, I wanted to see how it was changed. But I didn't want to mm-hmm. put the time and effort into replaying the game. Even if you exactly. download a save file, like you said, like you still have mm-hmm. to go to that place. And I was just like, mm-hmm. no, I just watched it basically the same. Yeah, and there was also comrades edition, uh, comrades uh, add-on. Mm-hmm. This uh, I did not get online into that. thing. I did not get I into that. I played it a little, but I played it a little, a few hours. But then loading times were atrocious, quests were repetitive, and it was just getting boring and nothing really it didn't really add much to the story and then ah forget it and i well i was done with it character creation was cool though Mm -hmm. i liked that too i made a character and i think i logged in once and did like (laughs) one quest and then it was like okay the gameplay wasn't as good as the regular game like the base game like it was just and then also i dc'd so many times and i'm connected with ethernet okay like this is i'm not connected Mm. on wi-fi with my with my ps4 because i never played it on pc i played it on ps4 because i was like i'm not spending another hundred dollars on the windows edition for my computer like i just exactly i i just i was so done and i was already playing other games by then so Hmm. i don't know if i'll ever go back to that game but i'm just scared that that's what's going to happen some of that is going to trickle down into uh Hmm. the remake and I, i really hope that it doesn't I like some of the stuff, but it's like enough is enough. Like, when do you have to put your yeah. foot down and be like, okay, we've done this collaboration, this collaboration? Because you're just alienating your audience because your audience logs in maybe like, you know, three months later and they're like, oh, I missed all of this stuff. 
And then mm-hmm. you just feel bad. Other people have it. You don't. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Yeah, I, ho- I hope they don't go overboard with DLC. Uh, some some new costumes or such things, maybe special material. But then again, it changes gameplay, this, which is also bad. Also a weapon DLC, mm-hmm. summon DLC. Could be fun, but when you've played it, played through it twice or three times already, and then new stuff comes out, nah, I, yeah. I won't play it again now. Maybe they're uh, they're playing with uh, the hopes that people uh, might play the game again before uh-huh. the second or then third part comes out, mm-hmm. and then they'll have enough DLC to play through it again with the new content or something. I don't know. Kitase already mentioned that they're thinking about how about strategies how to cover the gap between the games mm-hmm. uh but i yeah i'm not sure i just hope they don't create useless or not not really needed um content that that's just there for oh well buy it buy it mm-hmm. play through the game again and use this new web weapon or use this new summon or yeah whatever mm-hmm. story dlc <sighs> I'd rather not, mm-hmm. unless it's a completely separate little DLC that doesn't really take place in the, in the game proper. Exactly. Like, oh, it's now you can play, uh, see what this character did while the other characters were doing that. For example, what Barrett and, and uh, Tifa were doing while Cloud was, with, was around with, uh, walking around with Aerith. Mm-hmm. I want to be this in the game. But, for example, if there's like a, a, an episode, a Turks episode, where we can play with the Turks and maybe get some, some of their backstory, that would be cool because mm-hmm. that doesn't really have much place in the game anyway. So something that they wouldn't have com- uh, included in the game at, in the first place and doesn't really match and maybe even has a little bit of, of a different gameplay mechanic, that could work. But that's the only one. And that needs time and resources. And I'd rather have them. Uh, use this those those time and resources for part two and yeah the consecutive parts. So the less DLC the better. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Just like with fifteen, we've already talked about this, but just where they, it's kind of like um one of the characters leaves the party and then comes back with like a scar. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's like oh you don't know what happened, but they put that in there yeah. so that you would have to play the DLC to find out mm-hmm. what happened to his face or find out what happened yep. to um what's his name's glasses or whatever like how he yeah Ignis yeah Ignis sorry I forget I know their names I played it for so yeah. many hours I just I haven't <laughs> played it in a long time no worries but Ignis yeah like that sort of thing like that should have just been in the game like when Barrett mm-hmm. and Tifa split off from the group, like I really hope they don't lock that behind DLC where they're like, oh, yep, definitely. the lost missions, yeah. Final Fantasy VII <laughs> no, remake not. or something like that. Like I would just be so upset. Like I would, yep. uh, like, like you said, if it's, it's Turks, like it's more backstory on the Turks. It's different. It's not the same story. It's just to add, mm-hmm. to create more like, lore in in the world expand the lore exactly exactly like that's cool i like that or if they meet let's say that it's a it's a new character like it's a new Mm -hmm. character that's like part yeah shows a different part of the story yeah 
like what that person was doing at that time. Maybe like if it's like an, an, um, I don't know, like an avalanche character that we don't know that we haven't met that's there or something. And some of this also was in like the uh, compilation game. So they can pull, mm-hmm. they can pull some of that from the compilation games too, and kind of put characters from that sure, in yeah. this and then flesh them out. But if they wanted to do DLC missions for like avalanche, and it's the character that we meet in the game that we know of, but it's like you get more of the backstory there and what they went through to get to the point that they were at when we played through the remake, when we meet them at that time. Like that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, if it's not yeah, if it's not pertinent to the story. So if Yes, but don't just, hide just, just things bonus, exactly yeah. like yeah. hide the story away in DLC. Yeah. Like I just, anyways, so I've (laughs) talked a lot about my apprehensions about the game. Things not feeling Final Fantasy VII, just like mobile apps and like bringing that technology, like, I don't know, like I didn't like the minigame app that Final Fantasy XV had. Like it was like a phone Mm. app and then that had to do with the game. Like I don't care about any of that. I just... I just don't think that that caters to the story and I just don't care about. Um, and that would not yeah. feel Final Fantasy seven to me. Like you said, the world is, it's steampunk and it looks, it looks really awesome, but it's a mixture of modern technology, but the cars look old, but that's because when you're thinking about when electricity was invented, if it wasn't invented in the way that we know the electricity is now, like, and it was actually mm-hmm. steam or Mako that was pumped through these huge tubes, like, obviously, mm-hmm. the reality would have diverted and it would have been a different reality. So course, maybe yeah. the cars didn't progress like our modern technology, how we have cars now. And also, Seven mm-hmm. isn't, it's not 15. 15 was like, trying to be a fantasy in a reality that's what that whole thing was they said that so many times like it's final fantasy it's 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 a fantasy in a reality in reality yeah yeah. like as in like oh they're dudes they all have phones they all use instagram Mm -hmm. they all like do you know what i mean like yeah that doesn't have any place in final fantasy 7 it's not the same universe like the same world yeah. That's what bothered me in Kingdom Hearts three a little with with the the hashtags and the, the in in universe uh, yes. kind of Instagram that posted a, an image with a description and some heart hashtags was funny the first time but then ah oh, please this is this is just bringing real life into into a fantasy game yeah. Disney game or whatever this kind of felt off a little yeah so what does it need what do I think that it, the game needs to have to feel like Final, Final Fantasy VII. The story, stay focused, tell the same story, and create that atmosphere, you know, the darkness, the evilness there, but also the happiness and the quirkiness, like we said, and the awkwardness and the campiness. There's a happy medium between the two, and I think the original did a really great job in striking that balance because the story was really dark and those moments really um, kind of balance that out when you're dealing with all of these kind of dark uh, and and mature subject areas yeah. and things that are happening in the story um, and how the environment looks, basically. How do they design it? Well, what we've seen, I'm happy with. It looks industrial. It looks classic, but it's still, it looks lived in. 
It looks dirty in some areas. Uh, some of the, like you said, like there look, it looks like there's some poor areas there. Like the dog looks like it's starving. I love that. I think that's great. I think they did a really great job mixing the classic, what we know of Final Fantasy VII and really updating it into kind of what we pictured in our minds when we played the game so many years ago. Mm. So, um, and that's everything that I wanted to say. And I know that I've talked a lot about also things <laughs> that you've also uh, wrote down here. So um, what do you think? Um, so yeah, it's, we've touched on so many points already, <laughs> uh, but I think there are a bit more I could, I could uh, expand upon. Um, let's just go into in the questing system again. Just as long as each side quest, each quest that isn't mandatory, either expands the lore, uses side stories for characters that are interesting and flesh out the environments, locations, or that go deeper into the, the main characters themselves, maybe through banter, through maybe information that we wouldn't get otherwise, just fill out a little bit of, of, of the cracks that are left open in the main story. Expand on, on, on NPCs too, that we get their backstory that fleshes out the world. We, know, we learn a little bit more about the sectors, the individual sectors, which are pretty much different, how they think, the mentality probably. Mm -hmm. And as we touched on before, teaching the player new mechanics and our strategies to have it easier in battle. That's also something that side quests need to do, at least some of them. Or have them visit new areas that you never go there um, when you're just breezing through the main story. So just see new new stuff, new areas that's, that in, in them it itself flesh out the story, the plot, the lore, whatever. Just fle flesh things out. Don't just do throwaway mechanical quests. Yeah. Everything should mesh together. That's that's uh, what I'm also apprehensive about. That they might not fulfill this wish. Mm -hmm. That there are yeah, aspects of the questing system that just is there to have you play longer. Yeah. And another thing is new, newly introduced but unnecessary story or plot elements or plot devices that are there, are new, extend the story, but don't really add anything. Like, mm -hmm. uh, for example, in Wall Market, the reason why Aerith, uh, or well, the reason why they do cross-dress is they need to go into Don Corrina's mansion, only women are allowed. Okay, let's have Cloud cross-dress to not uh, make a commotion and do a big, make a big deal out of it and have the whole army against themselves. Cross-dress, get in, Good. And please don't introduce other elements that serve as the same or serve as a reason for the same outcome. So everything new that they introduce should have a purpose on their own and feel, uh, feel needed. Not that it's just, oh, it's something new, but it's not really needed. It's, everything would work the same without them. That's, that's mm -hmm. something I really don't want to. Also, fan service could be good in some way, like um, hidden hidden details or hidden hints or like Easter eggs and stuff, but not fan service that is 
blatantly there just for fan service. Mm -hmm. It should it should uh, also make sense to be there, like let's say um, a graffiti on on a wall says saying something alluding like for example this guy or sick is maybe a uh, a graffiti somewhere maybe some kid did it and didn't know grammar, um, or something else. But don't just how should I say this? Any fan service should be integrated in a way that feels natural or feels feels natural and just fits in mm -hmm. and doesn't stand out and oh hey here is this guy here is this character here is this quote from this game please mm -hmm. or it's just a direct copy of an npc from yeah. 15 <laughs> yeah or something like that yeah uh, just yeah fan service is good but but integrated in a meaningful way that's what i want to let's say let's bring yeah. back that photo guy from 15 i would love yeah. to see him in this game oh my god i wonder how he's doing <laughs> this whole time <laughs> yeah no, please no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I Oh boy. I liked what you said before about adding plot like fleshing out the characters and adding plot devices, but they don't go anywhere. They don't service the story like to push mm -hmm. the story forward. They're just there for the sake of being there because they told us that this was going to be a larger world and we were going to be able to play this game like a full mm -hmm. main series game and they're just adding exactly. it in and there's no payoff and they just add it in when that time is being wasted from what we could actually be spending time doing with the main party who is well, who we care about like that's who we care about like if you're introducing new characters you have to make us care about them like that's the thing like we've spent so mm -hmm. many years and time with the same characters that it's going to be really hard to introduce new characters and not have them feel like just add in so They've they've got a challenge, so I really hope that it works out. Definitely. Also, please don't retcon the fun fundamental elements of of the story. Like mm -hmm. changing a few things within the framework, it's fine. But the framework should stay like the the main uh, chain of events, the main story, the main thing, the main like world that makes final fantasy the main story plots characters should and the main goal the final goal should all remain the same like okay there's an there's an additional genoa battle in the shindra headquarters fine that's 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 good if president shindra still dies if they st still escape on the vehicles via the highway and then go to calm afterwards that's completely fine with me within uh, between those main events can do what the, what you want as long as it fits within and the main chain of events still say, stays the same that's uh my request yeah exactly um also contents that might not feel like final fantasy 7 uh, additionally in addition to what you said is um like there are many open world games that have uh, similar mechanics like those outlook towers that reveal the whole area, like those uh, towers you climb in Assassin's Creed, for example, or the long necks in uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, for example, such such things we don't really need because it's not an open world. Or base busting, like those bases. Yeah. Okay, go go bust the Niflheim base. Mm -hmm. Sure. In one of the bases, it had 
more story elements with uh, Ravis and Arden that came there mm-hmm. and where we had to retrieve the regalia. Yeah. But if this is just a one-off thing, it's good. But not, oh, we have busted this base. Now go bust this and this and this and this base too. Like uh, reactors number two, three, four. Yeah. Six, seven, eight, two. No, please. Not not such repetitive stuff that's usually found in open world games. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII, especially the mid segment, is better off with um, individual elements, like unique unique set pieces, unique areas. And you just uh, stay a little while in one area, then you move on to the next, and then to the next, and then to the next. Mm-hmm. Not too much backtracking. Maybe a little bit more because it's now a full game, but um, yeah. Also, as you said, um, like the, the, the mobile approach, I'm going a step further and say um, massive, mul- um, multipla- massive multiplayer online games or mobile games, um, not as additional games, but like elements that are common there mm-hmm. that slip into a single player game. Especially content that's just wasting your time. Yeah. Just to enlarge the game time. That's, uh, please no. That's not part of Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII is, as I said, set piece based, mm-hmm. like an Uncharted game. Yeah. Just in a, in an RPG format and a little bit more epic. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I've also heard people talk about, like, uh, if they start including everyday real-life situations, shoehorned in, for example, yeah, go pick Marlene up for sc- for, from school with Barrett, or see <laughs> uh, Tifa filing taxes, or I don't know, just some <laughs> some mundane oh some mundane crap that's... Uh, please, no. It's, it should be an epic adventure. Um, cool characters. Uh, great campy dialogue, and... Please no. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Tifa, you need to file your taxes. <laughs> Go fill out the paperwork and then pick yeah. up Marlene from school. Oh my god, like it's Final Fantasy 7 like sim. Yep. Right? <laughs> like real life sim. Like you're in the world, yeah. you have a job, you go home. This is what you do. Like, yeah. And also, thanks for reminding me that I have to file my taxes, Viz. So I really appreciate. Oh, I need to do that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, then in addition to your points, what needs to, what Final Fantasy VII Remake needs to actually feel like Final Fantasy VII is. As I said, the seriousness and campiness mixed into each other. Mm -hmm. What I really like is there are many serious moments, many serious scenes and segments, but some comedic blips are just scattered all about the place. Uh, As as I've mentioned before with uh, Wedge jumping over the incapacitated guard on the platform, train platform. Mm -hmm. It's just little things like that that just make, make you raise an eyebrow and then chuckle to yourself. Yeah. Even the character is just going. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a serious matter. It's uh, it's an act of terrorism. It's an an, an an intrusion. It's yeah, it's a it's a raid on a reactor, a bombing mission. It's nothing, nothing happy happy about that. It's yeah. that serious, but it's it's relieved and uh, kind of played mm-hmm. played light a little with uh, those. Those tiny little things. And we as an audience, we need that just pure darkness, pure illness, mm-hmm. 
pure seriousness, this just doesn't work. It needs a balance. Yeah. And the original Final Fantasy VII did this masterfully, I think. And what we also um, mentioned before, the mix between old, vintage, and retro, mm -hmm. and the modern technology, like flat screens everywhere, and even holograms, but then we have bicycles and cars that look old, mm -hmm. and old... Yeah, the architecture that doesn't look modern at all mixed with him, the modern architecture, like his exactly. constant mix and also mix in, in clothing styles and uh, bring a, a knife to a fist fight or no, no wait, isn't the other, no, bring a knife to a gunfight, exactly, with cloud and the sword against uh, a soldier with a gun. It's mm -hmm. this stuff like that just has to, just this needs to be. Of course, this is not um, exclusive to Final Fantasy VII, but it's what, it's it's a big part of it, at least. Mm -hmm. And the steampunk elements, the ridiculous enemy designs, and so far they've been true to that. Mm -hmm. Like, the Hell House needs to be there. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's also all over the place in this game is that uh, it looks or can be or even are deceiving. It, it, looks like, it looks one way and you have an idea in your head, but then it turns everything upside down and it's actually completely different. The best um, example is Aerith and Tifa. If you just see Aerith and Tifa's design without knowing them, you, th you think, oh, that's a flower girl. That's a, that's the, that's a nice little, that's a nice girl that um, maybe a little bit shy and is correct every time and has a nice language and stuff. And the, the Tifa is, is the, the strong gal, the extroverted, that uh, maybe even flirty, mm -hmm. how revealing she addresses, but it's, Actually, the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Aerith is the, the, the spunky uh, kind of uh, rebel a little and doesn't shy away from making other people uncomfortable, says what she thinks. But Tifa is very introverted, barely e ever uh, brings it over her heart or uh, brings, brings herself to tell Cloud more about what's inconsistent with... Uh, what he says about soldier first class and about knowing stuff she thinks he shouldn't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's just completely different, and it's also uh, that can also be seen all over Midgar. If if that's that's in and it's it can be felt all over the place, then uh, it feels like Final Fantasy VII. Mm -hmm. And another point that's really important is actions have consequences. And people do die. They just they don't just come back to life or mm -hmm. were just injured, like in Final Fantasy IV, where uh, yeah. Sid revive, uh, survives, uh, Palom and Porom survive the survive also. Then I think uh, the monk also comes back, and I I don't think anyone dies of them. <laughs> so mm -hmm. here we know, spoiler alert. Jesse Biggs and Wedge die, and the whole Sector 7 dies. Yeah. Irreversibly, gone. Mm -hmm. Late In a later part, Aerith dies, gone. No going back. Yeah. One, ex <clears throat> one exception being Kate Sith, but that's because it's not a living thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's also something. Actions have consequences, mm -hmm. and you see them, and everything is finite. Yeah. No going back. Yeah, I think that's about it, what I think needs to be... Mm -hmm in there to make it feel like Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I really like what you said about actions have consequences and people die because they do die in the original. Like, people yep. 
we see a lot of we see uh murder we see suicide we're mm-hmm. seeing you know death by other circumstances that have no control like you have no control over just people just yeah. dying when the plate falls and a bunch of people die like it's so dark and they they shouldn't shy away from that they shouldn't yeah i'm not saying they have to show people getting their limbs cut off like that's oh, never no. gonna happen like that's not no, gonna no, happen really. but like just to keep that in there and not cushion us from mm-hmm. that because we don't need protecting like we've played nope. the original and if you haven't played the original then those people are going to feel something when that happens and that's mm-hmm. what video games yep. are you should feel yeah. something like i mean an rpg like a jrpg is about that like some games mobas okay maybe i don't feel anything for when i'm playing dota 2 like it's not a story driven game but no it's not in this <laughs> game it is so i really like mm-hmm. that and and you see this a lot with like disney and star wars the new star wars movie the movies they're just cushioning everybody yep. from oh, definitely. anything that might make them feel sadness or some kind of emotion they just can't even stick with what they're what they i don't even know what they wanted us to feel honestly for the new star wars movies nothing nothing i never felt anything because when i started toys exactly i started to feel something (laughs) but then they took it away because they yeah they were like it was like everything was perfect no but that's not what people want Maybe little kids want that. I don't know. But anyways, um, I agree with everything that you said. So, And uh, just quickly moving on to the next part here. So talking about news. So it appears that Sony has pulled out of PAX East. So PAX East is happening next weekend from February 27th to March 1st. And it looks like Sony decided to pull out of the event due to the ongoing threat of the coronavirus. So I did uh, pull just a quote from the PlayStation blog that posted um, an article uh, with their statement. So it said, Today, Sony Interactive Entertainment made the decision to cancel its participation at PAX East in Boston this year due to the increasing concerns related to uh, the coronavirus. We felt that this is the safest option um, as the situation is changing daily. We're disappointed to cancel our participation in the event, but health and safety of our global workforce is our highest concern. So it looks like the mayor of Boston actually went out and asked Sony to reverse their decision um, on pulling out of PAX East. Uh, that was yesterday. I don't think that Sony has issued a statement, like a response to uh, the mayor of Boston about that. But he kind of implied that, um, you know, the risk of contracting the virus is really, really, really low. So he basically said that Sony should be basing their decisions on facts and not fears. So um I think this is a hard one. I I respect Sony's decision to cancel their plans and to participate at PAX. I think that people are disappointed, and I can understand why people are disappointed. They've already bought their tickets. They were expecting to be able to go and play a demo of The Last of Us 2, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and a bunch of other games. In my opinion, I think it's better to be safe than sorry, and Sony being a global international company with so many different employees, like... I don't know what employees are going to be at PAX East. I don't know if they're traveling from other parts of the world to go there. I'm sure there are people that are traveling from all over the world to go to PAX East. And I guess their thought was, we don't want anybody to get sick. So we're just not going to, 
not just not going to go. So um, I did look up on the CDC website to, to just look and see like how the virus is spread. So it can be spread with between people who are in close contact to one another about six feet. Uh, and it's spread through respiratory droplets in the air. So if somebody coughs or sneezes, somebody can get it. Um, and also from touching surfaces that somebody who's infected might have touched, but it doesn't stay alive very long on the surfaces. And they just say that you can actually get rid of it by using ethanol and like um, hand sanitizer and that sort of thing, which is good. But I can understand because if there's people sitting next to each other so close, you know, and like with people doing their presentations and stuff, I don't know. It's just kind of sketch. And I understand um, both aspects. So. Also, tra traveling by plane is probably also a factor. Exactly. And also, like I said, people are traveling from all over the world to go to the event. And people that work for Sony work in other countries as well as the US, Canada, like everywhere. So imagine if an employee gets sick and then dies, like a Sony employee. I'm just saying, like, do you know how terrible that would be for the company? You know, and, and, them, mm. and I, I appreciate them. To taking the precautions necessary to prevent that from happening. I'm not saying that would happen. I don't know, but there's been cases. There's been an outbreak in Iran. There's been an outbreak in South Korea at a church. Somebody didn't even know that they had it, and they were sitting close to each other at a church because that's what in a church you sit in a, you know, uh, really close to somebody. Somebody's coughing. You don't think you're gonna get it. All those people got it. All of those people got it. So it's just. I don't know, like if I was going to PAX, I would go with a mask. I would be prepared so that I can take necessary precautions for myself so I don't get it as a patron that's just paying to go there. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you just don't know. And it's spreading. It's spreading. And it's easy to get. And people don't know that they have it until it can be three to 10 days that you've just, you've, you've, you have it in your system And then you Even more, I heard. <laughs> yeah, and then you start getting, uh, you start getting like um, headaches and fevers, and then you start coughing, and then that's when you're the most contagious. But you're still contagious, even just coughing when you when you're out and you don't even know that you have it and you haven't shown any symptoms. Like that's the thing. Like mm. you know, it's it's really difficult. Um, and I was also listening to um, another gaming podcast. And they were talking about how it's disappointing because now people won't be able to get to play the games that they could originally play. Well, I looked it up and Square Enix is going to be there with the Final Fantasy VII Remake. They do have booths set up. People are still going to be able to play the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo at PAX East. And I did pull uh, the booth number from the Gamatsu uh, article. So it says it's booth number 12011. They will have a playable game demo of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, they're going to have a signing session with the voice actors that are there for the game um, with specific times that you can go to get, um, you know, some autographs there. And then also there's a photo opportunity. They're going to have the Hardy Daytona there that you can get on and take a photo with. There's going to be a giveaway. They're giving away posters uh, featuring new artwork of the cast of the game. So, you know, they are going to have a presence there and they still are going, even if Sony isn't going to be there, you're still going to get a chance to be able to play the remake. So, because the other podcast had said that people aren't going to be able to play the remake there, but you will be able to play the remake because Square Enix is still going to be there. The Last of Us 2, I don't know. I don't know if 
I don't think so. I think that Sony was the one responsible for doing the booth for The Last of Us 2. I don't know. But most likely, yeah. It seems like Square is going to be there. So go show your support at PAX East for Square Enix. Try the demo. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you can share your experience at PAX East with us. That would be awesome when you guys get back and uh, to talk about that. All right, Viz. So what are you playing right now? I am playing Walson Lords of the Fallen. I got it. I'm loving it. It's very similar to Diablo 3. But it does have um, a lot of differentiating factors like the customization options with your skill set are amazing. The leveling system, like if like, for example, I'm a sorcerer. Um, I love being kind of a caster in all these games that I play. But you can also play with you can have caster skills, but you can still attack people with a physical weapon if you wanted to do that. So you can build up character stats. Um and make them kind of like this broody, powerful um, sorcerer, basically. Which a lot of the games, like if you choose a sorcerer, your path is already chosen for you, and the and the um, kind of the the abilities that you get are just tied to a sorcerer or a caster um, in those games. But this is not. This is like you literally pick up different abilities that you can activate, that you can use with any character. It doesn't matter if it's for, you know, a barbarian or a sorcerer or whatever. A sorcerer can still use those attacks when they use a weapon, like in a, um, a physical weapon instead of like a, a staff or something, which I think is amazing. Anyway, sorry, I've talked a lot yeah, about that. No um, so <laughs> what have you uh, been playing? Uh, currently, unfortunately, nothing because there's so much stuff that's taking uh taking off of off my time mm -hmm. the most offender is of course my day job so i've only have time from uh, 4 p.m onwards oh who needs usually. a day job viz come yeah. on who needs a day <laughs> job why aren't you yeah, just, just quit and do yeah. your cosmo canyon observatory full-time come on <laughs> yeah with uh, with social services in my neck no thanks <laughs> Yeah, anyway, um, of course, uh, Cosmo Canyon Observatory channel has has me also mm -hmm. use up so much time each day. Yeah. Uh, friends and family, which I sometimes uh, have to mm -hmm. also please. <laughs> yeah. And I've been to, to a concert lately. There have been birthdays mm -hmm. and some other things. It's, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy and I, I kind of miss it. But just starting a game... I know. With one hour left, playtime doesn't really do me any good, so I totally hear you. Yeah. It's it's crap. I hope I hope I get to play another game before Death Seven Remake comes out. Mm -hmm. But at least on April tenth I have something to play for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Because I can uh, mix it or uh, include it with uh, the work for Cosmic Canyon Observatory. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. I've just been really busy with friends and family and also everything else that's been going on, um, like at work and everything. It's been a lot to kind of juggle everything. So we are doing this as a passion project as well. And, you know, yep. for, you know, we, we work outside of just doing these things and making this content for you guys. So sometimes, you know, it takes a little bit longer. So we appreciate everybody you know, being patient with us um, for when we release our episodes and uh, and staying with us and tuning in. Um, we really appreciate that. 
So I just want to go ahead and I want to remind everybody of the giveaway that we are doing. We are giving away a copy of the physical deluxe edition of the Final Fantasy VII Remake to one lucky listener. All you have to do is subscribe to the podcast on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to your podcasts, leave a five-star review, write a text uh, review, and um, the draw will hopefully be happening the week of the, uh, the game coming out, which is April the 6th. I think that's when our episode will be released. So tune in then to see if you were um, chosen for the giveaway. All right, guys. So if you guys have any questions or any ideas for any topics that we can cover in our next episodes, make sure that you write in to the podcast and our email is thereunionpodcast at gmail.com, thereunionpodcast at gmail.com. We do have a social media uh, Twitter account. We have a YouTube account as well. It's at reunion underscore podcast. You can search us on YouTube. Also, we do have a Discord community. Our Discord link is always posted in the description of each episode that we post. So all you have to do is click on the link to be able to be added to our Discord server. I just want to let everybody know as well, next weekend, uh, next Saturday, I'll be in Toronto at the Final Fantasy VII Remake launch party, which is being presented by KuboCon. I got a VIP pass for the event, so I'm super stoked about that. Um, it looks like I'll be able to get into the event a little earlier than um, other people. And I'm getting a pretty awesome goodie bag. Uh, looks like I'm getting some Tripom exclusive Final Fantasy VII cards. So those cards are actually just um, Kubo Khan's version of um, Triple Triad, which was the mini game that was in Final Fantasy VIII. Um, and you can actually play it with your friends uh, with a full deck of cards. I'll be getting, uh, it looks like an album, a, a Melodies of Midgar album, which is an exclusive album to Kubo Khan. Um, and then also a Final Fantasy VII Remake game case that's exclusive to KuboCon that I can put my game in, which I think is super awesome. So I can't wait to go. Um, and if you guys see me there, I'll be wearing a Reunion t-shirt and I'll be handing out t-shirts and stickers there. So if you see me, come up to me. We'll have a chat. I'll record our conversation and uh, hopefully you can have a chance at being on the podcast. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Kairosis signing off and uh, take care. Yeah. Take care guys. Mm-hmm.